All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back at What the Buck. It is 8 o'clock-ish Tuesday after the Buccaneers captured their second Super Bowl. And I got to tell you, being one of the old folks uh, alive when the first one happened and cognizant of what was going on in the universe and in my life, uh, I'm going to give a little compare contrast as to what's going on with that. Um, the, uh, The interesting piece here is my perspective has changed so much. And those of you who've been with me for a long time, you know, I did the podcast for a long time. Uh, it, it is fascinating to think about how differently I'm viewing uh, this rendition. Oh my God, if you got a cookie that showed up, he didn't even tell me he was going to be here. So I wasn't sure. Cook, how you doing, baby? He's doing well enough that he's going to be silent in response. I just don't even know. You're still muted over there on my side, connecting to audio. So the way we did it this time, for those of you who are already streaming in, uh, the previous group we gathered together, um, I re-invited, but I know it was late notice. So if they could pop in, they could pop in. It looks like Cookie's here. Let's see if his audio is working. He shows is muted on my Zoom console. Hello, Derek. Aha. So I think his audio is working, but I think... Hello. Now I don't hear Mark. you. Now, can you there, hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. He, can you hear me? Yep, I hear you beautifully. So here's the problem. When you stop doing a podcast for like four years, all of your shit gets put into a box in the garage. And so you end up cobbling together software solutions. So I appreciate you folks uh, tuning in. Uh, Cook, I appreciate you joining with your uh, Facts of Life background, which is especially perfect. And your keep on trucking shirt. How about that old school 70s blast for you there, Derek? Keep on trucking. Dude, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, we do expect to see uh, our boy Buck's Brief broadcast on cue, in fact. He hits the post like a freaking pro over there coming in with his TB12 hat on and all that sort of stuff. And we do expect to see Joe Bustle, NFLosophy coming in. Trevor may even drop by. We just don't know. But the format for this one essentially is as follows. Um, we as painfully suffering Bucks fans for the better part of a thousand years, because I don't know how COVID time works, um, should be able to celebrate. We should be able to celebrate together. We should be able to celebrate cerebrally and not cerebrally. You'll notice I've got a billboard behind me. I know Samer from the Loose Cannons. We talked about this uh, when I was on his show after my last show. You guys know that typically I'm not that dude. I'm not the guy that wants to rub someone's face in something. I don't like taunting in general, but there's a playfulness to this that I genuinely like. And there is a anger between the Saints fan base and the Bucks fan base that I think is about fun on the field. I don't think it's about trying to start any sort of gang wars or goofy shit like that. I don't know if Samer's going to be able to make something like this happen. If he gets within 10 degrees of something that is easily identifiable as a Buccaneer billboard that conveys the concept of weed at, then he can take my money. I went out and donated today. Uh, I know he's got a yeah. background in advertising, so I think if anyone can get this done, it may be Samer. Um, and I'm going to be back in New Orleans as soon as it's safe to travel, and I would love nothing more than to go there with my New Orleans friends after I go to Dini's for dinner, or I run out to Ben's Burgers, or I go to the you know, 21st Amendment and then look at that sign and just be like, what, do you have any more questions? So this is, this is going to be some of the fun. Yeah, are they living rent-free in our head? Sure, they're rent-free, but then bitches are pitching in on food. And drinks, because they got to come over and visit the trophy that we have now two of. That's right. right? So they can, they can talk about beating us during the regular season. They didn't beat us when it counts. 
So appreciate all of the second place, third place, look at us. Yay, we're number two. But get to stepping because when it came down to getting business done, one team did it, and it was our team. So welcome, everybody. Welcome, Mark. Welcome, Chris. I see we've got uh, Joe joining in here as well. He'll be on. Um, I want to start, if we could, with Mark because, you know, Mark is really the only one who's gainfully employed in media, I think. I don't think Joe's doing this for, for real money. He's doing it for fun still, but I can't remember because I don't even remember who, you know, who came in my house today. Um, but Mark, what's it been like at Pew Report since the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl? I assume it's been uh, a bit hectic. Been a bit, heck, bit uh, hectic. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, but man, we we signed up for it, and we love every minute of it. I mean, traffic has obviously clearly been through the roof, and it has been really since Tom Brady signed with his football team. We've um, you know we've just blown the doors down from any previous records. I mean, we've got you know we've we've got we had over a million unique IP addresses come to our website last year. Think about that. That's a million. And okay. Even if, even if it's two people or one person using, you know, using their work IP address and their home IP address, it's still half a million Buccaneer fans. You know, we don't talk NFL. We don't write about anything else. We write about the Buccaneers and uh, it's just amazing to us, the amount of people that we're, we're able to capture and, and it's growing and we're, we're already ahead of pace. Uh, blue January out of the door, out of the, out of the water. Last year's January was the best. We've blown that out of the water. We're up nearly 50% over last year already. So things are good, man. It's been great, but um, you know, still putting out a lot of good content. Uh, we do want to take a little time off, but that doesn't mean the content's going to go away. Scott's going to take a few days off here uh, over the weekend. And then he's going to go out of town again later this month. Uh, I'm going to take some time in March it was a long season, man. And, uh, and, and, and good, that's great. You know, but we're usually, we're usually checking out about December from, <laughs> from you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, mentally we're checking out about December, but uh, not this year. And, and the thing about it is you, they've extended, you know, the season extended a year, I mean a month. And uh, so now we're, you know, what are we uh, 36, seven days away from, from when teams can start negotiating and, and making deals with their own guys. I mean, March is right around the corner. Uh, then you've got the draft coming up in April and, and hopefully knock on wood, mini camps and OTAs and those kind of things. So we're going to have to sneak in our off time pretty quick or, or we're not going to have it, but we're well, not complaining a single let's, bit. Let's man. be very clear. Incredible. As much as we love you guys over Pewter Report, we really don't give a shit how you get vacation time as humans, right? I mean, yeah, I know, all of man. these fans just want you to put out that great content that you're known for. So keep the belly. <laughs> well, well, the good news is we've got three or four times. 1970. We've got three full-time guys, so if somebody takes a day off, we've got two other guys to put on stuff. Plus, Next Matt man and, up, bitch. Uh, and Taylor do a tremendous Such job. Such a handsome exactly. crew, too. I saw your photo, your posed photo. Well, you lost, you lost <laughs> Trevor. You lost Trevor, but Ledyard really brings up the uh, brings up the sexy again for y'all. Well, I mean, I'd like to think that I do, but uh, you do. Well, you, have... but you're the OG, Mark. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Looks, Scott looks might like disagree Joe's, with that, but yeah. Looks like Joe's wrestling with his connection. We'll get him in here as soon as we can. But but Chris, listen, you did podcasting back when I was doing podcasting, and our podcasting was pretty much, hey, here's what we paint as the best possible picture. We have hope of tomorrow, and we had that hope usually if we were lucky till mid-year because we were optimists. And then by three-quarters of the way through the year, we're explaining why everything went oh so wrong and how it could be right with just a few more pieces. And then by the end of the year, we were talking each other out of jumping off of the Skyway, and and then we were figuring out how much fun training camp is because it was always fun, even though we were miserable. We never got to experience this. Is there any part of you that's like, 
fuck, I wish I was still doing a podcast now. No, there, there's not. I, I, I think it's I, I really don't because I, I'm there's so many that are out there, but it's great that and I've said this a couple of times on Twitter that it's great that people are getting to experience this because I did not. So that that's great. And I, I honestly I got a little bit of emotional at the end of the game because of the fact that I'm like, this is really cool for everyone else who uh, is, is doing it. If they're new, if they've been doing it for a while, like to get to your, to get to experience this and the story that can be told about this team specifically for this season is so special. And Mark mentioned earlier, you know, the work that they would do at Peter report. And I remember Lovey Smith's year that he was let go. Scott came on my podcast right when the article dropped and he's his opinion after I believe it was the Washington game was it's time to move on from Lovey Smith. These right. were the, this was, I think this is early November, late October, if I remember correctly of that season. I mean, these were the things that we would have to cover. Someone tweeted last night about, you know, we would play cool in the gang celebration after every win. Cause we didn't get to play it that often. So it's it just, it's like, yeah, six, six times a year, if I'm lucky. So um, I did get a little bit emotional just towards the end of the game because, it, you know, more of like watery eyes of joy that people and fans are getting to experience this. Some of the players, Levante David, especially Levante David was drafted by Mark Dominic. If you just jumped on the bandwagon this year, you may not know the history and the amount of coaches that this 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 player has has played with the amount of different defensive coordinators. And he's he's been there for for so long so i i really felt for him and, and some of these players that have been there for a while and especially the fans who it, it's been a long time it's been a really long time and i enjoyed every freaking minute of it well i i share that i was sitting outside physically distanced with a beautiful view of the florida sunset watching on a projector uh trying to be extremely responsible uh and i think i woke up people across the watery cul-de-sac screaming and then they started watching the game because then at the end of the game they were playing music across the watery cul-de-sac and I knew when I was going to drive home across town, my only hope was that people as crazy as they were going to get, I hope they were as safe as possible. I'm not here to make a political statement on this. So I'm happy to do so if any of you choose to engage me at some point. Um, but on the way home, I just wanted them not to be stopping traffic. Like I wanted to be as safe as possible for physical shit. And it was pretty good. I drove right down Kennedy at red lights. People would pop out of their sunroof, make a bunch of noise, hoot and holler, wave their flags. Their light would turn green. They're like, oh shit. And they'd get back in their car and they would drive. Um, you look right on Howard, you know, Soho is going to be a zoo. It was a zoo. Drove over Ebor, you look down and channel side, cops were already there trying to do the best they could. But as a town, and I want to, this is going to be weird. And I want to get to Joe real quick because he's been, he's been in this game a long time too. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see if he's gotten feedback from the inside, from people that worked in the organization too, because our view from the outside in, Chris and I, versus Mark's, which is sort of like, sideways in because he's accredited media he knows these people really well but he doesn't work for the bucks right he's still an independent journalist right but joe did work for the bucks so it's really we got a really interesting mix i think here um but but seeing all of that celebration and excitement i welcome there was a time where i was one of those guys like man fuck you bandwagon fans you don't know the pain you don't know what we went through look at my scars if you can't name who was the nose tackle when we played three four back in the 70s you don't know shit Listen, you need people to care about your team so that guys like Levante David don't toil unnoticed for Pro Bowls for years because no one cares who the hell the Buccaneers are, right? Dave it's Logan, ridiculous. by the way. Huh? Dave Logan, by the way. Dave Logan, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that, by the way. So, so Joe, I, I, I think you muted yourself again, but if you'll unmute, 
I'd love to see what your take is on this as someone who used to work in there. And if you've got any feedback as well, another view uh, from this win. Man, uh, so first of all, congrats, Tampa Bay. It's uh, pretty amazing, right? This is, and actually, I don't know if this will let me show this, but uh, drinking Rare Perfection 15 tonight. I like it. You went back to the 15. Yeah, it is a feat of rare perfection to be able to win this, right? It's really, really hard to do. So um, I actually have a, there's actually a couple of stories that I've, uh, that I've heard of from the uh, celebrations that night. Um, the only one that I can share is the one that um, uh, Jason Light actually retweeted today is that uh, he's going to allow Devin White to do his laps around, around the stadium on his horse. So he said, you earned a That's big awesome. fella, go get him. So. So that's amazing. Um, but no, I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. You were talking about it today on Twitter of, or maybe it was yesterday that, you know, the, I think there was a lot of local people here that uh, kind of knew what was going to happen. And so it's really funny to see the national media all of a sudden being like, Oh my God, who knew that they were going to do this? Who knew that Todd Bowles was, wasn't going to blitz. And I'm going, you had four dudes, five dudes if you count Trevor, four and a half if you count Trevor, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, we gotta make sure we pick on Trevor while he's not here. It's fun. Yeah, saying saying, hey, you know, don't expect Todd Bowles to be blitzing and be super aggressive. Like he's gonna back off, he's gonna play his game, he's gonna let his his front four do what they do. You know, we just gotta hold up on the back end. And uh, you had you had five guys telling you guys that. Um, and yet the national media is like, oh, my God, we had no idea. And we're like, well, should have, you know, hate to say I told you so, but. Yeah. It, and what's funny is it's I forgot who it was who posted today. Um, I think it was you. Yeah, that's, you're, you're talking about the Twitter response I gave you, I think. They were mm-hmm. talking about the discipline mm-hmm. of running to a spot, right? We talked mm-hmm. about that literally. It's a, it's a basketball technique, yep. right? And yep. the 24-hour news cycle has done so many great things, right? It's created all this content, and you can get the flavor that you want with the tone that you want. Sadly, it allows you to create your filter bubbles, which can be a bit damning at times. Mm-hmm. But you've got great local media, and I'm not going to sit here and give uh, you know, Mark a virtual reach around here, but the Pewter Report has been doing it forever, right? And there's yep. more than just the Pewter Report out there. There's other good local content, and there's good content about local from previous local or from remote who study this topic. It's about getting experts. Listen, I like Randy Moss like the next guy. I like these national folks because of their perspective and where they come from. But the reality is most of them don't know shit about the Buccaneers unless they cover the Buccaneers regularly. You would think that they were paid enough to, on the verge of the Super Bowl, go back and watch some film because every one of the cats on this call, including uh, the half of Trevor when he's on the call, would go back and watch all 22 to have a, a meaningful opinion about something. And that mm-hmm. just doesn't exist at a national level, it seems, with rare exception. Obviously, there are always exceptions. Um, yep. but, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I digress a bit. It's great to have you folks over in the chat room watching on YouTube. Uh, again, I appreciate my esteemed colleagues for joining us. Tonight's going to be a little bit laid back, but I do know that one of the topics that are... Is- I've got to interrupt. I've got to interrupt. Perfect. I actually interrupt. welcome this breaking, interruption, Mark. Break, breaking news from the Buccaneers Media Advisory Tomorrow, Wednesday, February 10th, the city of Tampa will host a boat parade for the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fans are invited to raise the flags and join the celebration spanning the Tampa Riverwalk and other viewing areas that offer ample space for social distancing. As a reminder, masks are required outdoors in zones, entertainment districts, including downtown and along the Tampa Bay Riverwalk. That gets started tomorrow. Tampa boats will leave from Armature Works at approximately 1 p.m. Team boats will arrive at Port Tampa at approximately 2 p.m. Eastern time. So 
there you go. We've been hearing that rumors that it was happening today. Uh, this is official confirmation from the Buccaneers anyway. So we know now exactly what time and, and what's going on. And I hate it. Bruce Arians was uh, on a, did an interview earlier today. And, you know, he, he says, man, I, I want to ride around in a truck holding up that trophy. You know what I mean? I want to see our fans crowding on the streets. And it's just unfortunate with COVID to not be able to do that. But at least Buccaneer fans will be able to go out and, and, and celebrate and see their team uh, on the waterway tomorrow. Again, uh, beginning at one o'clock, team boats will arrive at Port Tampa at approximately two o'clock. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. Just, no, that's, that's great, Mark. That has speaking. been going back and forth all day. There's been rumors and speculation and sniping and all sorts of the normal shit you expect on social media. Um, I'm glad that they're doing what the Lightning did. They, the Lightning seemed to do a pretty good job with it. Listen, there's no way to do this safely. There are safer ways to do it. And you have to rely on the individual to try not to be assholes to one another and cause problems. And I hope that our fans do that. Like I said, by and large, what I saw out there was pretty good on the way home. I'm sure there was way too much congestion. I saw the pictures from Ebor. I'm deathly afraid of what the stats are going to look like after this, but I get it. Um, uh, so hopefully we'll get through it safely. And, and hopefully as, as a nation, as a world, but as a nation more uh, locally and myopically, uh, as we get this under more control, we can go back and re-celebrate this appropriately. Whether that means a joint Gasparilla Buccaneer celebration <laughs> or what, because Listen, there's going to be a solid four days and three nights when we can really celebrate this that people who are fans are just not going to remember, right? They're going to, they're going to do it the right way, and they're going to be passed out at some random location. So uh, hopefully we'll get to satiate some of that desire. But, but I do want to transition just a little bit. And, and in the chat room, if you've got things that you did, I know there's a lot of people that are remote. And like, you know, Bucks Princess out there missing this. And if you know her, she's such an avid fan. She would have been here for sure. There's a lot of people like that. I saw people traveling in from other states doing the best they could. I saw people getting to the game, which was great. Um, but now the question immediately transitions to what about next year? It's one of those things about the NFL that's so, so funny. We just did something that most teams never get a chance to do for the second time in a historical way. And the immediate question was, yeah, but so um, how are we going to run that back? Now, I thought I saw an article today. I think it was Luke Easterling posted one on free agency. I assume, Mark, you guys are working on stuff. Who's the person, who are the three players that you think we can't lose? And I'll start with Mark and I'll go to Joe and I'll go to Chris to run this back. Who are the three guys that I don't care what we got to do. We got to bring three back. And yes, I picked the number three directly out of my ass. Uh, Levante David, number one, I think is important. Uh, Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski. I think those are the three just off the top of my head. I'm not looking at a full list right now, but I think those three are important. I'm also a big fan of bringing in Dominican Sue back as well. I think he comes back another year. Um, uh, la, 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 la. Give me give me some of the free agents. My, my mind's slipping a little bit. Um, Jack Barrett, Gronk, Sue, David, McClendon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaq, 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 Shaq. Yeah, Shaq will be back. I was surprised you left Shaq uh, off. That was the one that, that slipped no, back. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to. No, he's he's got to be back. Um, but, I mean, you, you can't just pick three. I mean, they, they want to bring back virtually everybody. I don't think Antonio Brown's back. I don't think um, – uh, Fournette is back, but um, but those the the other ones we just mentioned, I think, are definitely back. And maybe that's a better way to ask the question. To be honest, that's why I'm not a professional interviewee person. Uh, maybe the inverse is the right way to do it because we already said on the last podcast that the cap is largely uh, smoke and mirrors anyway. They can they can do anything to mortgage the future for a three year run. Um, you know, we we saw Rich McKay do that actually. So there's all sorts of stuff you can do to shuffle contracts around. But who do we think are going to go? And do we lose sleep over that? Antonio Brown and Fournette. Antonio Brown, 
everyone, he, he was great to fill in. You guys all know that I'm not an Antonio Brown guy. That's not the point. He did well when he was here. He was what he was supposed to be. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on, on free agency and, and who you think will leave or who you think are critical to stay? I think it's a really tough question because I think you have to consider that the cap is actually going to go backwards this year. Um, and it's actually going to decrease instead of increase for the first time. And God knows how long, if ever, right. Because yeah, yeah. Um, the cap is before. right. So the cap is set by the league revenue. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how many people know that. Right. So the more the league makes, the more, the higher the cap goes, players get a uh, 51% share or whatever it is of that. And uh, this year, the league revenue is down because of COVID and the pandemic, right? So next year, the cap will actually go down. So instead of teams having more money to go sign more free agents, they're actually going to have less money to sign the same amount of players that they've always had to sign. So some teams are going to make some really, really tough decisions this year on who they want to keep, who they want to, and who they need to let go. And so those players leaving is going to be really, really important. I think Shaq, the problem is, is Shaq is so good, but he's also going to command some serious money on the market. So if they let him free hit free agency, he's not coming back. Somebody's going to pay him more money than, than the bucks are going to offer him. Um, I think Levante sticks around unless Levante is looking for a big payday because he's 31. He's going to be looking basically for probably what is his last long-term contract at this point. Uh, if Grant comes back, it, it's a tiny little contract. It's not going to be something huge. He's going to have to take a pay cut like Brady. Um, I think Sue is somebody that they really want to have back. We talked about it last time because they really want um, his attitude along that defensive line and on that defense. So uh, those really, those are the four, right? Those are the four that you got to figure out. I think they bring back at least three of the four. Um, hopefully they bring back all four. Uh, you also have Leonard Fournette as well that I know that they really actually truly want to bring back. So, um, it's this year, it's going to be more smoke and mirrors than normal. And then the other thing to call out about the bucks is they, they, uh, different teams treat the cap in different ways. They, the way the bucks structure the, uh, their player contracts is a pay as you go. So they're not going to pay somebody a huge amount up front, huge signing bonus, and then offset that over, um, you know, a long time. Right. So because of that, they are never in cap trouble. They're never, they're usually right up against the cap, but they never really have problems about trying to stay under the cap this year. However, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to cut somebody um, that is going to be important. Somebody that's making too much money, and, um, you know, I think that's where it becomes interesting. Do they go back and do they restructure uh, Donovan Smith and that big deal that they gave him? Or is that is that the cap casualty? Because that, to me, feels like the most obvious answer, because that's a really big contract uh, of, of a position that I think that they're going to target in the draft again. I, I think I think with Donovan, I, I honestly think they're going to extend him and, and create a little bit of room that way. I do, too. Um you could see you could see Tom Brady getting uh, an extension as far as that goes. Mike Evans is already uh, willing again to restructure his contract to get more money. He wants Chris Godwin back. He knows how important having Chris yep. Godwin back. You is. just covered the top um, three cap hit impact players on the roster. All three willing or intimated or likely willing to restructure in order to keep a three year window alive. And, and they're going to have Derek, to, right? Derek, I was I was a guy that that you know middle of the season was. I was already packing Donovan's bags. 
I mean, he did and not Shaq. have a good first. Yeah, exactly. Listen, yeah. Shaq is back because of the Green Bay game and the Super Bowl, honestly. You know what I mean? And, and, and Vita I guess Vea was it, back. That's it why. shows the importance yep. of Vita Vea. I think you're yep. absolutely 100%. right. It helps when the other team has two starting tackles out. Don't get me wrong. Right. But um, and, and same way with Green Bay, you know, missing missing some guys. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I think I think Donovan's definitely back, and I think I think from what we understand, you know, it could be on a on, on a long term deal. Which again, I don't understand, and Joe understands this a little bit more than me. You know how, you know, a guy that's due fourteen point two five next year, if you extend him, how that can lower the the cap cap hit. I don't really understand all of that, but. But that's uh, that's something that that you know they can do. I've I've been told by somebody in the front office, we could clear twenty million dollars tomorrow, and this was last year and the year before. I mean, we could make, uh, you know, we could come up with twenty million dollars tomorrow. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're already they're already. I think they're I think they're under again without signing anybody. They're around twenty five or twenty seven million under the cap, which is you know which is pretty good, uh, it, basing it even on a one hundred eighty one million dollar floor. Um, and, and to be able to, you know, if they can, if they can, you know, make some, another $20 million spot there, um, you know, I think, and and Joe's right. I mean, Gronk is not going to be back at at 9 million or whatever he was at this year. Uh, Sue's not going to be back at eight and a half or whatever it is, but, um, and I think both those guys want to come back and and I know the team wants both of them back for sure. Well, and Chris, I don't know if you want to weigh in here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was hoping you're going to weigh in and then I want to throw something else in. I mean, Ryan Suckup obviously is the most important unrestricted free agent on this team. Come on now. Ryan Suckup, <laughs> Ross Cockrell, and Joe Haig. Come on, y'all. You're going to miss the most important. <laughs> no, I think uh, yeah. I, echoing what everyone said, and you know, I mean, they, they could work something with Jensen's contract as well, you know, potentially free up some money. Um, right. Levante, 100% back. Godwin, 100% back. Gronk, I think, is back. If you get playoff Lenny, I'd like playoff Lenny much more than regular season Lenny. So, but I think, I think, I think, think that's going to come down to, I think that's going to come down to the interest that he's getting out on the exactly. open market. And because they're, I think they're going to let him get to the open market. Uh, but it may be a case where I, I don't know. I mean, to me, is he, uh, he's not a, he's not a tier one running back. I mean, he's, he's a very good running back and showed in the playoffs, but yeah. um, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's going to be a team out there that's going to, Running backs don't get paid the NFL anyway. I mean, no, besides but, I mean, playoff Lenny, and, yeah, playoff Lenny could have worked himself into a, a, a starting job with another team, maybe, not regular yeah. season. Lenny could yeah. have had him back probably for a discount or didn't want him back at that point. Right. Sue, I think, like you all said, they want back. Um, I don't think Antonio Brown will be back, but I think th- those are your core right there. I don't know what I don't know with Shaq. Uh, you know, obviously, he's a different player with, with Vita Vea. Hopefully there's that quote unquote hometown discount, but uh, there's going to be teams that are going to throw a lot of money at him. But I'm going to tell you, if they do, the Bucks are going to go out and, and try to find someone to to replace him on the others uh, in his same position. So um, they're they're going to franchise either Shaq or Godwin. I mean, those are the two guys they're going to get. One of those two guys will, yeah. will get the franchise tag, and I tend to think it's Godwin. Um, yeah. But at the same time, Godwin didn't have a great year. He was injured, didn't put up the same numbers. That helps the Buccaneers when you go into negotiations. But teams are also not stupid. They know what he was you know, in 2019 mm-hmm. and how good that he is. Well, there's yeah. also a hey, couple can we of just stop? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead I just want to say, can we just, can we just stop and take a, a second to appreciate where we're at? Because we've been through Lovey Smith and we've been through the man whose name that rhymes with, you know, Griano that we don't want to talk about anymore. And, That's um, March friend. you know, and the cutter and the cutter area. Her. And 
we are now sitting here talking about players taking pay cuts, extending their contracts, taking less money to come and play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to potentially win another Super Bowl. Like, how far have we come in just the last couple of years? That's an amazing Amazing. turnaround to me. How far have they come in the second half of the season? (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. let's not lose sight of that, right? I think – like I think, and that's the thing is, I think we were always there. I I, I think, as as much as we don't like the uh, the preseason and uh, limited training camp and no OTAs and all of those things, I think those are very big deals for football teams and players getting, uh, you know, acquainted with with the the system and the playbook and the timing. I mean, we saw it early on. Like like Brady wasn't on time with Evans, especially Mike Evans. Um, and in even Grunk, well, Grunk was the one guy that he could find early on because they had that timing down from the 10 years that they played together or whatever it is. Right. So I think it, we always knew that it was going to take some time for them to get it together, especially knowing that Brady is used to short, quick throws, um, you know, in breaking routes, short stuff, snaps, like lots of hots, lots of dump offs at the line of scrimmage. And then you have, Bruce Arians, who is, whose offense is read high, come back low. You start deep and you come back. And, and Brady's offense was already was start short and read deep, right? And so they were literally the complete opposite fit of each other. So we knew it was going to take some time. And, we, and I think we said this back in July or September about this, that we knew it was going to take time. And the bye week was going to be kind of that, do they have it together or do they not? And they started off really well. They actually probably started off as well as anybody thought that they could. Um, I think there were six and two and then, uh, and then lost three or four and ended up seven and five at the bye week Right. And then that was, Hey, are they going to figure this out? Are they going to find an identity or not? So we knew it was going to take some time. I thought that they were where they needed to be all season long. And I can say that now, obviously in hindsight, but you know, I've said it all along. I was the one fighting saying, you guys are crazy if you want to fire Bruce Arians and Leftwich and Todd Bowles in November. You're absolute nuts. I can't believe anybody would ever even have that thought and that conversation because they're going to figure it out at some point. Um, and then all of a sudden the bye week comes and they find their identity. They start playing a couple of teams where they can really figure out what they want to do, start kind of uh, imposing their will on both offense and defense. And then they took off from there, right? So I think we knew, kind of knew that this was, this was going to happen, but we live in a world where, you know, it's either panic Monday or victory Monday and you're the best team in the world or you're the worst team in the world whenever it comes around to Monday. And when we lost three or four, especially in an embarrassing fashion to the Saints, people thought the wheels were coming off the bandwagon and everybody was jumping off of it like it's GameStop stock after it's already skyrocketed over 400 bucks, right? Like nobody wanted to, to be a piece of that. But I think it's a really good example of just kind of understanding the context of a team to know what that ebb and flow is going to be like through a season. But Joe, you, you, yes, you said that, you know, we all knew they were eventually going to figure things out, but you didn't know if they were going to be able to do it in enough time in the regular season to get, you know, playing their best ball. Now, you know, and and they, they come out in that Atlanta game and go down 17, nothing. I think it was, Uh, you know, and then they came back and, and smoked the Falcons and that's when things kind of turned around. But, um, I mean, I agree. I, w- I was confident in this group and this coaching staff. I just didn't know what was going to happen. In fact, I was one of the dummies 
who predicted they would lose one of those two Atlanta games. I just thought Atlanta was going to present some problems, particularly, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to cover cover that those talented receivers. It helped that Julio Jones, I think, missed both of those games, um, you know, but uh, I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know that it was going to happen as quickly as it did. And, and, and Bruce says it happened in the second half of that Chiefs game. Uh, he says that's that's when things happened. It wasn't actually the bye week. We know it was the bye week because we know the coaches spent that week looking at, hey, what worked, what didn't work, you know, what can we do better? And, and Bruce said, you know, he he told the coaches, you know, we're we're not going to be passive. We're just going to go all out here and, and we're going to, you know, stop kind of dancing around and just go with it. And, and we knew that eventually Brady would get more in sync with his receivers and things like that. I just did fear that it might not happen this year. In fact, I said it, and, and again, I look like a dummy now, but I thought this was a, you know, they were playing with house money this year. Okay. So they get to 10 and six, they make the playoffs, you know, they win a wild card game. They lose in the divisional round. That's a good season compared to what we've seen the last 12 years. Uh, I had no idea that by week, this team was going to win the Super Bowl, though, not even remotely close. That was not even, that was the furthest thing from my mind at that point. The, well, Mark, the majority of people who I think are the most respected when it comes to delivering local content for the team I think everyone said next year is the year to make the run for the yeah. Super Bowl. Most likely yeah, this yeah. year is to get into the playoffs, be better than seven to nine, win double digits, first or second round, make it to the NFC Championship. And that, that, but that was the expectations. And maybe it helped this team got hot towards the end of the year because, you know, they, they struggled those couple games at home against quote right. unquote better teams at that time, right? The Rams were hot and then golf gets hurt and they had some injuries and you could see the wheels coming off of that team. And, uh, Seattle was hot at one point, and it, I think it just it the schedule towards the end of the year I think worked out. I think they started to get their confidence, and they hit these teams. And, and not to rehash what happened in the playoffs, but what this defense did against three of the top quarterbacks to ever play the game. I'll put Mahomes almost in that category, but in my opinion, he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. What this defense did against those three quarterbacks, I think, is something that is gonna is is going to be epic to tell the story years from now. Um, but there were some injuries and things in those games that also helped. So, you know, whatever the story was and to you, get here, you need, you, you need good bounces. You need good luck. Sure. I mean, you, you know, you need For to sure. stay fairly healthy. I mean, you need yeah. to play teams in the playoffs that are missing their tackles. I mean, Bird, Bird Emanuel caught the fucking ball, right? I mean, come on, let's right. all. Nice. I mean, come on. So, yeah. so good. You're welcome, Rams. You know, for that for that Super Bowl win. So, you know, there's yeah. things that happen in the Great playoffs. Show I mean, on the, turf with 13 points or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This this team, you know, they're there's They were set up, I think, on defense. I think the defense was pretty consistent for the most part the entire season. They just had to start gelling a little bit more on offense. But you know, everything just just came together over the last four games of what we saw. And then obviously the last four games of the regular season. So I think it's crazy that that I think the best the best quarterback performance that we saw against the team was does uh, Heineke. Yeah. Uh, who I think I think I called him uh, Ty, or Trevor Simeon the last uh, you did pod we did if we <laughs> but I like Trevor oh, Simeon so I had to go I wanted Trevor to get a Trevor little Simeon play. <laughs> but, but again I think, well, uh, <laughs> let me add this real quick I I I spoke you know I was telling you how I was saying you know they're playing with house money 2021 is going to be their year where they put it all together um, I spoke to somebody in the front office and I went back and looked at the text before the Super Bowl and this guy said. I'm I'm selfish. I, I, I why not this year? And I thought they were being a little optimistic. But again, I think inside that building, they knew a lot more than we knew on the outside, or at least more than I did, uh, how close they were to finally putting things together. And 
and and they felt that they could match up. And 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 again, the luck of the draw, right? I, I coaches don't like bye weeks the first week of December. Uh, they were tired going into that bye week, <laughs> but but you know, just as the NFL screwed them the year before with the ridiculous schedule. Um, and on the surface, we may have thought they screwed them a little bit with a late bye week. I think that was the best thing in the world for this team. I mean, they were able to take a week off, get healthy, and, and figure things out going down the stretch. And the schedule makers, again, helped because they played some awful football teams in December. And, you know, confidence is, is such an important part of things. Uh, whether you're dominating Detroit with their second, third string quarterbacks, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, five years from now, nobody's going to remember that Matt Stafford didn't play in that game when the Buccaneers kicked their asses. So, um, well, you know, more the importantly, this team got more, more importantly, in some ways, Mark is football is a team sport. And this is the part that, that always fires up fans. Cause we always get things like, well, they played a week schedule or so-and-so was out when they played them, or they got healthy at the right time. These are all trivially true points of a team sport, right? They change. We all know yeah. you want to peak at the right time, which is around playoffs, but you right. have to get a ticket to get in. Right. And you can only play the guys that they put on the field against you. Someone just brought up we didn't have Devin against uh, Washington football team, right? What, what would difference yeah. would that have made, right? The teams that we didn't have players. Everyone's going to go through this. And, but it's not as much fun to pontificate about and to project. Right. It's like saying, oh, I had no idea they were going to be a Super Bowl team at the bye. No one did. If you had an idea that was better than a 50-50 bet, you'd be putting money in Vegas every year and you'd live in a mansion, right? But the, the beauty of this really? game is it's proven on the field. And so we always talk about yeah. it. You got to get your ticket first and then you get 60 minute chances. What do you do right. with those 60 minutes? And that's what makes you legendary. If you can step up and get each of those 60 minute chunks and be the better team. Cause I agree, Chris, I think Mahomes is a freak. He's an absolute freak. He's a beauty to watch, but I, we had a team, we had a player like him, not the same. So please don't get all Twitter painted about it. <laughs> Steve young was a similar ball player. And he played for our beloved Buccaneers. And you know what he did the entire time he played for our Buccaneers? He ran around like Patrick Mahomes did and got his ass kicked. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he went off and people realized, wow, he really doesn't suck. If you give him like four seconds, this guy can really beat the shit out of you. Right. Right. Patrick Mahomes didn't do anything but show that he's a freak. The guy throws the ball almost on the ground, 42 yards down the field and hits a guy's helmet. If he had a smaller face mask, if he had Gary Premium's face mask, he catches the ball in his helmet. You know, no. those two throws that you're talking about where, where it hit the guy in the helmet, I think his best throw was the one where he rolled to his left. Uh, Shaq's, I think, tackling him out of bounds or dragging mm -hmm. him down, and he heaves one in the back corner mm -hmm. of the end zone. Back pylon. I mean, yep. the receiver almost made it. That was just – that may have been yep. – I, I thought to myself, that may be the best throw that I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. It's, I mean, it could have easily been caught, or, or maybe it was caught and was out of bounds. I can't remember. But the fact that he was able to fit that in there is just, is just mind-boggling. I, I, real quick, I pulled up um, the, the salary cap situation. The Bucks are actually six – have the sixth most salary cap uh, heading into this offseason now. They they have this the six most at at thirty eight million right now. Uh, Jacksonville is way ahead of them with seventy four million. Then the Jets at seventy two. Um, Jacksonville, I don't know. I mean, is that if you're Shaq Barrett and, and Jacksonville says, hey, we're going to pay you twenty million dollars a year, or do you? Tampa Bay says we'll pay you thirteen. You know what I mean? I mean, is it worth? I mean, seven million dollars is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but. Jacksonville's not going to be very good next year. I mean, they're just not. The Buccaneers are, are, to me, the favorites to repeat, certainly in the NFC. I don't know that they'll, you know, beat 
beat the, the the Chiefs if they play them again next year. But I think they're the favorites to to to, to represent the the or NFC. The ESPN, as of they're right not now. even the top three, right? So I mean, they don't. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Steve um, Smith wrote that. Uh, wrote the. He wrote that. Yeah. But but Had when you ask the question about Jacksonville, I think it's a I think it's a fair question. It's a topic I want to get back into. And, and it's a topic that we all hate and love at the same time. Culturally, this team is very different. Joe started the conversation with, you know, here we are, this very different team, players willing to rework their contracts to stay. Like the, the culture change. And you heard Coach Arians make the comment about he's not worried about the cap. We've got great guys on the cap. And he's sure they'll work them out. But he didn't stop there. And I hope that this nuance wasn't lost on the average fan. He said, I'm sure we'll work things out and I'm sure we'll get these guys paid because they've earned it. And if one thing you should have learned about coach Arians is he earns respect of his players. He takes care of them as best he can. They know he can't do everything. He doesn't have an empty, you know, a blank check that he can write for everybody, Right. but he generally is going to try and do the best thing for the players who do the best for the team. And I think that's what you yeah. see. So whether a Shaq Barrett would talk to Leonard Fournette and find out, well, why'd you leave Jacksonville? Would you go back to Jacksonville for more money? I'm a guest. I don't know Leonard, but I'm a guest. Leonard would be like, I won't even drive through Jacksonville. I drive around Jacksonville when I leave Florida to yeah. go up the East coast. <laughs> I don't know that that's a place to lose, but that's the only place you can lose where you get the nullification of the state income tax. And that's a great point, Mark. And, and, well, my, Miami, and, and I guess, Jets, but I don't think Miami has any money. No. And, and the jets, you know, you look at the jets, the second most, I think that would be a disaster for a guy like Shaq Barrett. Number one, going into that media market with expectations. Um, and that to me, that just, just reeks of, of, of failure. You know what I mean? They're not a very good football team right now. And Shaq Barrett's proven that he can't do it all himself. He needs, you know, a, a solid other three guys on the defensive line or, or whatever in the front seven to, to really, you know, be as effective as, as he was last year and even late yep. this year. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, th- I think New York would be an, be an awful place for him. Now, Indianapolis, well, you know, that's, that's, that's a different situation. I think they have the third most cap space right now. Um, then you've got New England. Do you, you know, I mean, you, you want to go from playing a, and I don't want to call it a country club under Bruce Arians, but it's a hell of a lot different playing for Bruce Arians than it would be playing in New England for Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? I mean, the, you know, again, let's go back go to culture. There. If he's thinking about going to New England, do you think he talks to Tom and, and Rob? Yep. Oh, for yeah. sure. And, and I don't think that they're yeah. going to be like, New England is the gulag, right? Don't go to New England. I don't think they're out there, you know. <laughs> right. But, but I think they're trying to create their own second legacy down here. And we need to ride that as long as we can. What we have to hope is while we're riding, because I think we'll ride it by default. I think that people like winning. Winning has its own inertia the same way losing does, right? Sure. So mm-hmm. I think that you're going to have people like, man, this winning thing beats the shit out of losing, right? The colors are brighter. My dog is happier. My wife talks to me nicer. Like all these things just sort of happen magically because you're winning. What are they doing behind that layer of three to five, right? Who is the quarterback era parent that we're going to try and groom? You know, is it Gabbard? Is it RG four? Who is it? And and I'm saying we have to figure that out now, but they're certainly structuring Tom verbally as another coach on the field. Does Tom have visions of moving into coaching and continuing his legacy? The guy, I don't think you want to play him in tiddlywinks. I don't think this guy wants to lose at anything. So I I wonder if we're going to be able to get more than those three to five is what I'm wondering. Well, I don't remember who said the story, and I read it last week before the Super Bowl. Um, I forgot who it was. It was a, somebody from New England who said that, you know, Tom had never really played ping pong a whole lot, but somebody challenged him, and he became obsessed with getting good at ping pong uh-huh. in, in, in the locker room and literally threw the paddle when he lost. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, he, there's nothing this guy wants to lose 
uh, at in, in, in something as simple as ping pong in the locker room. He wants to be the best at whatever he does. And um, again, I think that's that's so much of the Brady effect that just made this whole player, this whole team better. And, and I said this last time, it's not just the guys in the locker room. It's everybody in the organization. And I've heard it from people, two people inside the organization, the front office who said, and, and again, I, I take everything with a grain of salt, right? I mean, they signed Tom Brady. They have high expectations, but he'd never even been on the field when they told me that, you know, everybody wants to do better. The groundskeepers want to make the field nicer. The lady that answers the phone in the lobby wants to sound, I mean, everybody, he just elevated the play of everybody um, in inside the entire organization. Um, and, and I think he's also going to be one of the best guys to, to sell a guy like Shaq Barrett. Hey, let's do this again, man. Next year you want to do something else, but let's do this because we have a window and opportunity uh, where we can be back and, and, and you know, cement ourselves as, as two-time Super Bowl champions. Uh, you you all mentioned about, uh, you know, Shaq going and chasing other teams again. I mean, these players have every right to go and get paid, right, where they have the opportunity sure. to get paid. However, the situation that's here in Tampa for Shaq, I think if you're looking at just what's best for him as a player and being able to compete for championships, hopefully that's what hopefully that's what they're building. Right. This is this is now it, it's great. Celebrate the Super Bowl. It's special. It doesn't happen all the time. But now it's build from here and continue to get into the playoffs year after year. This isn't a one and done. Right. We've been here before going back to the 2000s. Right. Where. We didn't sniff then the playoffs for how many years? So I think it's uh I don't think it's the youngest team in the league. I don't think they're the oldest. Obviously, with Brady, that brings up your your average age of these players. But there is a good young core of players still on this team that they can continue this, right? Kyle Trask, maybe I'm just throwing your article out oh, there. Oh, for little, God's uh, sake! Little shout out. No, no I'm just kidding. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm no, just no, messing. No, no. Look, Let's Mark's logic. Look, Mark's logic was still solid on it, regardless if you agree with can him I or just, not. He's still can I just point. tell you this? Draft, I sat draft in the stadium. Guys. I sat in the stadium next to a Buccaneer scout, a high scout, not you know just some regional guy. And, oh, you uh, mean like a and, high ranking, not a high scout, to explain this article? Yeah, but okay. you no, know, I'm saying at the Super Bowl, I sat across the aisle and we talked about Kyle Trask. The Buccaneers love Kyle Trask. I mean, they they. The, the, the comp on him is, is, is Brad Johnson, right? I mean, he's not going to wow you athletically. He doesn't have a cannon for an arm, but he's a tough SOB. He's a fairly solid leader. He's not a, he's not a vocal rah, rah, Jameis type leader, uh, but, but players, you know, like playing for him. And uh, you know, there, there's some things there that, you know, I don't know. Didn't you just describe every but, quarterback in a tier one division no, one school? No, no, no. I can assure Sure, you James not Black Florida is State. not that guy. No, not Florida State. Not USF. I said tier one. Not, uh, I mean, they are. <laughs> you walked into that one. You know, I can't. But... You're gonna give me softballs like that, and I'm gonna take them yard. Um, well, but but well. in defense of Florida State quarterbacks, there was a comment in the chat room about that. You know, they said this competitive thing about our previous quarterback. I I knew Jameis not as well as Mark did, but that was true about Jameis too. That in and of itself isn't sufficient. It's necessary, but not sufficient. You have to have that right, compulsion right. and get the team there. That's the thing with leaders. Leaders amplify their power by driving success through their own actions and by empowering the people who work with and for them. And that's what Brady's done. That's what Jameis couldn't do. Not enough to, to get well, to that next level. And Tom showed up with a hell of a resume, man. I mean, 
again, Jameis, okay, I won a national championship. We won 26 games in a row before losing to Oregon. But that's college. I mean, the players understand, you know, a lot of a lot of guys can have success in college. Doesn't mean it's going to translate to the NFL. And um, and you can rah-rah all you want, but if you're throwing 30 interceptions, you know, your message is going to get lost inside that locker room. And there were guys inside that locker room that we spoke to at the end of the 2019 season that were ready to move on from Jameis Winston. There were plenty of guys that stood up for him. Demar Dotson was on our podcast uh, at, at, at four. Yeah, I was there that uh, night. Yeah. And he's like, he's gone now too. There's no, it's the curse. There's no way. There's no way we can let Jameis Winston go. He's great. Blah, blah, blah. I had a couple defensive players who didn't want to comment on the record on that Monday after the season ended where we kind of, they're packing up their bags and stuff. And I was like kind of blown away because they clearly were not in the Winston camp corner at that point. And uh, and that, yeah, that gave me a little, uh, gave me a little, uh, and, and there was another guy, uh, a younger guy than him too. But yeah, there were a couple guys that, um, you know, were like, on, on yeah, I, I, I threw him the softball and let him try and hit it out of the park. That James yeah. Winston needs to be back. And they both were like, you know, we'll see. That's above my pay grade. And as soon as somebody says that's above my pay grade, that's that's answering. Well, with all due respect, if they say if they, if they're going to do that, then then you're you're projecting on them what the answer is. I understand that that may well be what they intend. Um, but but in a team sport, if your quarterback doesn't lead you to the victories, your quarterback needs to go. Whether we like him, whether he's talented, whether he's got capabilities, it doesn't matter. How many times have we seen a quarterback go from one team where he's just absolute flat out garbage and then go to another team and win a Super Bowl, Jim Plunkett, or be garbage and play in the Arena Football League and bagging groceries and then win a Super Bowl and think he's the greatest quarterback in the history, Kurt Warner? Right. It, it's quite often not just the player and his capabilities. Right. Of course. It's the player, the capabilities, the situation, the people around him, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, we, and we get into this sort of, well, what would have happened and what should they do? Um, and, and it's, it's one of those arguments that I don't think can ever be won. It's just better done over drinking. Uh, but Brent from the pewter cast, which by the way, congratulations, Brent riding off into the sunset from the pewter cast. Congratulations on starting a great brand. I know Ren will carry it on uh, and, and form it into his own image. Um, but you've, you've chosen a hell of a year to go out and you're going out on top, but he asked mm-hmm. a question that a lot of us asked after the last Super Bowl. How much is a Super Bowl worth? How much would you bankrupt the future of your franchise to get one Super Bowl? And, you know, I had said pretty clearly after three years of our three years after our Super Bowl, I was okay if we weren't competitive again for a decade and I wouldn't have been upset to get the one ring. A decade was the number that I had come up with. Now, sadly, it took almost two decades to become relevant again. But what is it for you? I want to start with Chris. Um, in any logic would tell you back when we knew the situation when it 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 went from Dungy to Coach Gruden, and we knew all the all the picks that had to go, and you, it just logic would tell you that you're mortgaging the future. I don't think we're in the same situation here, so I think what I'm hoping for is some continued success. Like I, I mentioned earlier, not this one and done, and then we don't sift the playoffs again for for many years. Because the, yeah, the, the that, roster that wasn't my is point. Here. I agree. I agree with you. That wasn't my point. And we can get to that one if you want to. But my point is, if right. it were going to be one-on-one, if you had the ability, you had Karnak, uh, you will win the Super Bowl, but you will suck ass for N years. What is the N years that you would trade for that third Super Bowl? See, I, I again, I don't – it's great. Okay, we're, we're celebrating that we got this win. What I think – this still is the the – Worst uh, franchise, right, from winning percentage, I believe, in NFL history. 
So uh, I would like yeah, to. I, I, don't, I don't think we're as bad as the ones the Globetrotters play, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> the generals. But I, uh, I don't. Yeah. Like, I, I think now it's time to cement yourself as a legit franchise and start winning. I, I think the question, too, we was asking, too, is about players, right? About, about players who are leaving because they win a Super Bowl. Ask Dexter Jackson how that worked out, right? But I am. Um, I don't think it's the same situation. I, I, I'm not mortgaging anything because I want some continued success. I'm, right. I'm celebrating the fact that they won, but I look at the picture of what's here and it's different from what it was when, when coach Gruden was here and the situation that was then going to happen for years. And you know that, that you're, you're sacrificing the future. I don't think this win is sacrificing anything for the future. They didn't have to, to make giant trades or do anything like that. So it's to me going to be more special now that they continue to get into the dance and continue to be more of a successful franchise. And hell, it'd be, it's going to be completely different as a fan because we're not used to this shit at all. I mean, it's you know, 2007 and we knew that that team wasn't going to go to the Super Bowl. So I think this is potential. I'm not seeing two, three years down, down the road here, but it's a completely different situation than what we saw when we last won the Super Bowl back in the 02 season, 03, uh, 03 calendar year. Okay. I, I agree. I still think you Kobayashi marooned my question a little bit, but that's okay. I, I respect Captain. I, I'm, I'm with Chris though. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I'll say this in 2002, me and my buddy Spencer Robinson, we both said if the Buccaneers can just beat the Eagles, we don't care if they ever win another game again. Right. Because we had been fans Absolutely. since the very beginning. And so it was you at that point Eagles. where just get to a Super Bowl, beat the Eagles, get to the Super Bowl. And I don't care again because it was so foreign to us that they could ever, you know, even get to that point. There were years in the eighties where I would go to school, you know, depressed after the, the just loss after loss after loss on Sundays and, and the blacked out games. And it was so hard to be a fan and I took ridicule for it. Um, so at that point in 2002, I was like, I don't care if they ever win a game, you know, and, and my, me and my buddy joked about that, but it's different right now. I think this team is built for long-term being relative. Anyway, I'm not saying they're going to be a long-term Super Bowl contender for the next 10 years, but if Jason light continues to draft as he has particularly the last two drafts, um, or anything close to that, why can't this be a competitive football team now? The caveat to that is, what do you do at quarterback when Brady steps away? It's not Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert's not your answer. You've got to find that guy. But maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. There was a question in the Monday mailbag that I put up yesterday. Somebody said, does this prove you the, the whole franchise quarterback thing that this team is, this franchise has been chasing for 46 years or whatever it is, and it hasn't panned out? Does this prove that you know, you build a team and then you just find a, a two or three year stopgap type quarterback. The problem with that is historically that doesn't work in the NFL. Tom Brady, it worked with uh, Peyton, Manning. Peyton Manning, it worked Joe with, um, but no, Joe didn't win a Super Bowl with Kansas City. And I'm pretty I mean, well. ultimately it's winning well, the Drew Super Bowl. Brees. They got to the Drew championship Brees. game. Yeah. Yeah. Drew Brees yeah, was an anomaly. He was a busted ass arm. I mean, he was a gamble and it worked out, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I actually want to. I want to hit on that point for a second. So first of all, to answer Derek's question, like one year, I'm a process and philosophy guy. I mean, it's NFL philosophy, right? So give me one year. I'm not willing to sacrifice anything. I think if you ask, if you ask different people that question, different fans that question, you're going to get different answers. Like the Patriots fans are going to get Packers fans are going to go, no, I'm not mortgaging my future for a Super Bowl because they're used to it. 
you ask a Jacksonville Jaguars fan and they're like, I'd give up the next 20 years for that. Right. So uh, for me, it's, it's process. I want to go back. I will, I will be in the, in the playoffs for eight, nine, 10 years before I get frustrated enough that I'm like, can we just not yeah. win a damn Super Bowl, Right. So um, I think to answer your question, it's like one at the most, maybe two, if, if we're talking about it, but then um, Mark actually hit on a really good point of, you know, you, so you, we're not, we're talking about, you don't have to mortgage the future in the current situation that we're in. Right. Jason light. Uh, we are not in the same situation that we were whenever it was Dungy moving to Gruden, right. Dungy built the foundation through everything that he did. And then Gruden put them over the top. This right. isn't that situation. This is light and Arians built this together. Now light had a couple guys before that he had to kind of, uh, work through a little bit, but now that he's had Arians, um, and, and even just within Arian system, it's funny. I remember this this quote of Arian said last year with Winston specifically that you can't judge a quarterback in his system before ten games, right? Like they've, it's a process even with just one single player. It's a process in building a team, and I think that um, we're now in a situation where we are able to be able to extend this success for a long time through a number of different things. You hit on the cap a little bit earlier. Uh, Mike Greenberg is one of the best uh, football operations guys for anyone that doesn't know. Mike Greenberg's kind of the man behind the curtain that um, negotiates all the contracts and um, helps with salary cap in the CBA. Like he, he, and I actually read a fantastic article on him that finally like gave him his due in terms of, he's probably going to be a GM somewhere at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know we typically think of, we typically think of a GM as the guy that goes and picks all the players. That's not all that a GM does. And in different situations, um, you know, different people go do different, like general manager here may not be the same thing as general manager somewhere else. Right. right. Um, so he doesn't have to go pick all the players, but he can certainly find the people that do. So, you know, I think we're set up for a really, uh, a really strong, next few years for sure where we don't have to mortgage the future um i think jason light is uh he started off slow but to mark's point the last couple of years the they have been phenomenal in drafting and it 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 takes a little bit of luck right like to me i've always compared it as throwing darts to a dartboard if if you get 10 shots and i get 20 you know i'm i'm more likely to to find the bullseye than you are, even though you're, you know, closer than I am. So, you know, I think it's interesting because we're, we're going to be a good team for a while. We have a good coach. Yeah. Um, if, and we were very fortunate by the way, to go to the Super Bowl to keep Todd Bowles. Cause if we didn't go to the Super Bowl, Todd Bowles would be coaching for somebody else right now. Like he would have been hired amongst the last round of coaches and somebody would have held out for him you know, after the NFC championship game, but they weren't going to hold out another two weeks and potentially lose him to potentially somebody else. So again, everything has to fall your way. We're set up for success. We don't have to mortgage the future. We have the right people in place. Like this is, people should be excited, man. This is going to be a fun team to watch for a very, you've, you've lived yeah. through all the bad stuff now, enjoy the next this year and enjoy the next few years. Um, and whenever it comes to replacing Brady, um, I think we've seen more turnover in quarterbacks in the last two to three years than we've seen in the last 20 years. And the reason for that is 
quarterback salaries have grown to such a substantial portion of the cap, right? So we like to look at things and, and say, oh my God, he's getting a, you know, Patrick Holmes as a $200, $500 million contract, whatever it is, right? But that's less relevant than Patrick Mahomes is taking up 20, 25, 30% of the team's eligible cap room for this year, next year, for however long that is, right? And quarterback salaries have grown to a larger portion of the cap faster than any other position in the sport for good reason. They're the most important player on the field, right? However, there is a tipping point where that becomes too much, where those, those contracts become too bloated, too inflated for teams to be able to maintain good teams around them because full football is the ultimate team sport. As much as we like to, to say, uh, as much as a lot of media like to say, oh, it's Brady versus Mahomes, the really smart football people know that they're never on the field at the same time, right? They're not going against each other. There's, it's, it's 11 on 11 on both sides of the football. And so it's, it's the ultimate team sport, and you've got to build out that team. Patrick Mahomes can't beat a Buccaneers team all by himself. We found that out on Sunday. And so it's, it's, we could be setting ourselves up to be in a position where a guy like a Matt Stafford or potentially an Aaron Rodgers comes free off of free agency and Brady's all of a sudden on his last year. And we go, Hey, you want to come over here? We now have, and that's honestly how they got Brady, right? They, right. Uh, who was it? Somebody was, somebody was talking about, Oh, I think it was on good morning football. They were talking about if you build it, they will come. And they taught they called it uh, uh, shoeless project shoeless Joe or something in the um, inside the front office where, they decided they wanted Brady after last year. They said, we want to, we want Brady to come to Tampa Bay. And they said, we want to build a team that Brady wants to come to. We've got the coaches. We've got the offensive weapons. We've got a good enough offensive line. Why wouldn't he want to play here? Now let's go seduce him and get him to Tampa because we know we've got the football weather, no taxes. We've got the team to do it. He can go win a Super Bowl. He's got a coach that's going to appreciate him. Hey, come on. Bring your bring your nutritionist with you. He can he, hell. We'll set him up an office yeah, in the back. Literally, exactly. literally, we right. will set him up an office in the back if you want to come here. And he's like, man, this is amazing. So they did what they needed to do to get Brady. It's going to be interesting to see if there is a quarterback or two in the next. You know, maybe not after next year, but it, so Rogers probably his contract. He's basically due to end at the end of next year if they decide not to extend him and they've already got a first round quarterback that they're grooming. Right. So say Rogers comes free at the end of next year. I mean, Tampa's pretty damn good place for Rogers to come. Right. They've done it once with Brady. If Brady decides, hey, after next year, I'm done. Rogers comes right on over. So we've seen that movement more than anything. So that's what I put in the mailbag. I said at the very end of that question they asked about. You know, do you just find a stopgap type quarterback? I said, hey, Aaron Rodgers would look pretty good in in uh, red and pewter in 2023 mm-hmm. or whenever it may be. I, I think um, the number one past. selling point of coming back to to coming to play in Tampa is to get to see Mark Cook on Zoom calls with his facts of life uh, Zoom background. <laughs> number fair. one, I'm a, I'm a big number one fan. Big, Who wasn't big a fan. I bet I bet you don't fall asleep in press conferences. I have not yet. Just give him time. I don't wear my shirts sometimes, but I, I haven't <laughs> fell asleep at least. So, we didn't answer your question. God, that Eric, was, I'm sorry. Can I just that, can I just can okay. I just say how embarrassing that was when I'm I'm sitting there and I was just in the recliner and I always that was always my worst fear is that somehow my camera would pop back on 
and uh, or I, I turned it on accidentally or whatever I did. And uh, Jenna Lane texted me. She goes, are you seriously in bed right now without your shirt on on this Zoom call? And all the blood from my body just dropped. And you get that cold chill when you realize, praise you, good Lord, who was looking out after me. I was on my phone like this. So I, no one saw, you know, nipple or anything like that. But, oh, my gosh, it was uh, it was embarrassing. But you know what? Jenna I just, with the uh, save. Jenna yeah. with the save. Now, now, John Momolo from 620 immediately took a picture, a screenshot, and tweeted it out to the world. So, uh, but then I, you know, then I was like, you know what, it is what it is. I just, uh, you know, I, Megan was like, oh my God, oh my God, what are you going to do? I said, I guess I'm just going to go put a shirt on. I mean, what else yeah. am I going to do? You're going to show you know, up for the first day of camp with no shirt on, uh, rock it. Yeah. That's almost, you know, that's almost as bad as uh, mistaking uh, Byron Leftwich for Todd, yeah, Todd Bowles, post Super Bowl preference uh, presser. Uh, and then calling him Brian. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah another true. example of, of local media knows what they're doing and national media is just kind of pretending most of the time yeah so so i want to i want to continue on this discussion because i think it's a really uh interesting i have two questions let's start with the qb point piece because you used the phrase stopgap mark and i would argue that this is not a stopgap that this is actually a change in qb uh qb recruitment paradigm uh and i had a buddy mm -hmm. of mine that i sit next to who five years ago back when RPOs were popular, but no one called them RPOs was like, well, why don't you just go get like three of these quarterbacks that play that offense? Cause it's all over the, all over college right now. You don't pay them shit compared to a prototypical quarterback and they're interchangeable, right? They're, they've got decent enough arms, but they're really good on their feet. You don't eat up your cap with them and you can trade them out one, two, three, et cetera. And I thought it was an innovative idea, but some coach would lose their job within the three-year job window, unless you're John Gruden. But this is sort of the inverted model, which is more in my world because I hate the draft and I hate throwing all of your draft capital at someone praying that the number one overall pick will somehow be the next great quarterback. Instead, you build the rest of the team and use the rest of the cap to build all those supporting players, just knowing you're going to go get the best available free agent arm as they, as they wear out, right? So as Brady wears out, you go get next man up. Who's, who's the Aaron Rodgers? Who's the... Andrew Luck, right, whoever, as their years wane on, you just go tell them, hey, listen, I know you got another year. Obviously, you can't do it officially because there's rules against that. But conceptually, if you build yourself as that model, you think these quarterbacks who are sitting there toiling and not getting a ring wouldn't be like, ah, oh, fuck, this is shitty. I hate losing. I've got like two years of tread left. I'm headed south. Seems but like a word. They've oh, got work. to be – they've got to be available, though. You go back to 2014 – Josh McCown was the best free agent quarterback. There was no Tom Brady. There was no Phillip Rivers. There was no Teddy Bridgewater. So you've got to have a little bit of luck, too, when your guy decides to step away. There's got to be a guy out there, an Aaron Rodgers or, or whoever it may be, um, you know, because it's, it's not – you're not guaranteed that, you know, when the timing happens that it times sure. up perfectly that there is a guy out there. <laughs> Well, you Joe's know, a math guy. I bet the math is better or more likely that that will happen than you will hit your draft pick and and he will pan out to be the next great quarterback. I'm, I'm going to bet because, the yes. odds on that are good. So it, it's funny because I wrote that article literally five years ago for my website. Oh, no shit. I'm sorry. How, I didn't steal your content. No, 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 no. It's it's because it's, it's so poignant and on point because um, like it was people kept going to trying to find a quarterback and then they would just get absolutely decimated behind a shitty O line. And 
couldn't figure out why their ter- why their quarterback that was so good and so promising is all of a sudden a bust in the NFL. And then in the second stop, they get a little bit better because they're probably playing on a better team. The reality is, is if you're dra- if you're drafting quarterback number one overall, you're drafting number one overall for a reason. You suck. Yeah. You're terrible. Yeah, really bad. Unless you get like the unless you get into the perfect situation where you have Peyton Manning who goes down to injury, you lose early in the season, you lose every game, you get to draft once in a generation quarterback like Andrew Luck, and he was um, at the time. And you get to move on from a Peyton Manning, right? So that is absolutely lucky. But you are going to be more successful in building a really good team. And teams are doing this right now. Like if if you look at how teams are being, or well, I should say the smart teams are being built. They're building the team and waiting for their opportunity to get a quarterback that fits what they want to do and does it at a really high level. The Eagles really tried to do that with Carson Wentz. They built a really good team. And then they took a chance on a quarterback that they thought was going to be really, really good. The Bills actually started to do the same thing. They took a chance on a guy that none of us thought was was going to be any good. Maybe one of you guys did. I'm not sure what your thoughts on Josh Allen were. But I'm pretty sure that I know that I thought he was going to be an absolute terrible NFL quarterback. And he turns out to be really, really good. But that was the thing is, is again, it, it has to do with the cap. It has to do with the available resources. And we wanted to talk about like everybody talks about Moneyball moving from baseball to um, to the NBA and to into the NFL, but it's not the same translation. Moneyball has happened. Moneyball is really about um, taking advantage of 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 the resources that you have or uh, misses in the market, right? And there are a lot of people that saw that and saw the misses in the market and said, "Man, we are really paying quarterbacks too much." to go out and do this. Now we have this rookie salary structure based on draft position that is going to afford us a really good cheap quarterback for four or five, probably five years based on the extension. And we can build this team and then actually put a guy in place. that's going to be successful with a good team already around him. And then by the time he gets to, you know, his second, third year, he's learned enough to actually be the really good quarterback that we think he can be. So I find it, um, it's a fascinating question because I think the really good teams are doing it now, but um, it's definitely not something that is like, Oh my God, what if this happened? It's already happening. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. The uh, last year I think was different when when we're talking specifically about free agency at the quarterback position, right? You had Phillip rivers was a free agent. Yeah. Tom Brady was a free agent. I I don't know if Drew Brees was at the time we're talking about retiring. I don't think he was actual free agent. But look at look at the actual free agents in this year's quarterback class, and you've got Dak Prescott, and then Brissett, Trubisky, Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, AJ McCarron. It's not it's not like you can just go and pick between four of the yeah. top veteran quarterbacks in the NFL. You're gonna have but, to trade for them. It, look like at you a three year rolling window, though. Look at a three year rolling window. Right. You can't look at a one year. Right. That's true. But you That's also true. have you also have Goff, Stafford. Um, Goff, Stafford, and um, oh my God, who else am I missing? And Wentz, who is likely to get traded in the next couple of days, that you could potentially go out for. You know, and and to bring it full circle, because Derek's always got the right questions. How many years are you willing to mortgage? You know, in the future to do that. So if you build the team and then you get a chance at the quarterback, are you willing to give up three or four years worth of draft picks to then all of a sudden put your team at a Super Bowl level caliber? 
And that's the difference. Stack I think up. It, it, if you've got those high draft right. picks, you can stack them up. No, I think it's an interesting switch. The other thing I wanted to ask, and I don't know if any of you gentlemen have the insight on it, is there an ability for a team to structure bonuses across uh, position groups and not individuals? Or the CBA preclude that? Meaning, could you structure offensive success? It's like in a corporation, you have individual goals and then team goals um, as components. Can they do team goals and make those part of the incentive structure and how would it affect the cap? Or is that something that the CBA is like, screw you, you got to pay individuals. Everything's got to be rooted to the individual performance. No, I think it has to be individual. I mean, because each contract is individual. I don't think you can do it as a group if that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Because quite often, one person's success... Yeah, I don't think you can say, well, yeah. Yeah, I don't don't know that you can write in the contract. I'm just crazy. I'm just crazy non-football. If... if if you if you Tom Brady and can make Mike Evans and Chris Godwin fifteen hundred yard receivers, we'll pay you a little bit more money. Is that what you're trying to say? Something along those well, terms? Well, not, not as mean? direct as that, but that's a good way to illustrate the point, right? If if the defense yeah. ends in the top five on points allowed, you know, points where like combinatorial goals that would allow you to incent team behavior. Yeah. The reason I ask though, let me give you the reason I ask because it may not be immediately obvious. If I knew that I could go to a team where there were team goals structured that we together, Shaq Bear goes to a team with a great nose tackle, right? And he knows that he's going to perform well there because he's going to have a better opportunity on the edge. And they have an incentive that if the team leads the leaguers in the top five in sacks, he's going to get a big bump. He's more likely to go to that good team because it's not just that he wants to win. And I'm not saying that's not enough for these guys because God knows they want to win, but it, it tethers financial compensation to more than individual stats and individual stats are quite often not sufficient to gain team success. Does that make sense? I like where it you're does. I, think, I don't, I don't yeah. think there's enough, enough cap room because you're paying, you know, you're paying 40 guys on a roster, probably on half of the roster, right? Those, all of those incentives. So, and um, based on whether uh, not to get too deep into structure of contracts, but based on whether those incentives are um, likely to be earned, they will count against the cap ahead of time. And then if they're not, then you get that cap money back. Um, basically you're credited with that cap money. But um, the reality of it is, is you couldn't make a significant enough bump for the entire defense, for example, to say, hey, if you guys finish in top five of overall defense, everybody gets a million dollars because that's going to eat up a shit ton of cap room that you just don't have. And for your really good players, if you're saying, hey, you're going to get another 10 grand, on top of your contract, they don't really care, right? So, right, yeah, theoretically, that, that's a great theoretically, point because those incentives idea. have to be built into the salary cap before, mm-hmm. you know. I mean that those that has to be, uh, yeah, yeah, it has to be built in to the salary. They would have, cap they would time, have like to do say. something with the next CBA, which would allow something like uh, stock options for long term return for a player, the same way you do in corporate. I always pull this back to corporate comparisons, right? So, I you pay people typically in three buckets right? Salary, bonus, and stock or some sort of equity. And you pay them those things for different reasons, right? So if I think someone can contribute to the long-term success of my franchise, I want them tethered to my franchise because I dream of the days where franchises live. I want free agency. I want these players to be able to be paid. And it used to be they couldn't get paid because they couldn't go into free agency. So they would toil forever. And if they were fortunate, great. But at the end of the day, they were just animals to be used by the owners. Then they were like, fuck that. I'm going to go get paid. And then free agency meant you, were you a Cowboys fan or did you follow Dion wherever he happened to play this week or whatever? You know, Dion's a bad reference, but you know what I mean? 
So I'm trying to bring us back the needle back to the middle where a franchise can do things that allow you to build franchise value over long-term um, while still allowing compensation. I know it's a bit far afield and apologies to the chat room. It's probably like, what the fuck is this guy babbling about? We just went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, that's, that's an interesting concept. It's I mean, the weird right, shit I did. It really is. Yeah. World. Going back to the corporate world, I mean, I, I my previous life, I, I spent eight years with, with Geico as an underwriter and Warren Buffett was, you know, I mean, he's obviously a financial genius, but, you know, his whole thing was, we're not going to pay, you know, outrageous salaries. And and, and, and I had a, a push button old school Brady Bunch phone on my desk, right? I mean, he wasn't buying the the fancy, you know, 10 lines I could pick up kind of deal. I mean, it was bare bones, but if the company succeeded, and I think that's what you're talking about is if a unit succeeds, we as, as a company all benefited from profit sharing every year. And it was yep. all based on, you know, how the whole team did, the entire team did. Uh, and, and we were compensated very nicely for that. And if we had a down year, or a bad year, it was, it was less money. So I, I see where you're going. It's an interesting concept. Uh, maybe you need to go work with Mike Greenberg and, and, and bring that up and, uh, well, sadly, I, I don't think okay I don't think Greenberg can make that happen bottom up. I think it has to happen CBA down. It has to be negotiated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I, I definitely well, think that it's something to look at for the sport. But I, I actually yield. Thanks, Marks, for your comment. Certainly. But Joe, you were in the inside and saw a bunch of this. You saw the sausage gets made. I think. So. Well, I mean, according according to uh, uh, to Devin White, he and Levante have a little pay scale of their own. So. Let's oh, hope that he doesn't on. talk about that anymore. God damn it. What are you when these national guys and they make a mountain out of a molehill? I can't believe that that became a story. Oh, Mike Florio. Oh, that's Jesus. why. That's exactly why. Yeah. And, and this crazy yeah. thing is Florio does a story, then he goes at the end, but it's probably not a big deal. I was like, what, okay. what, what the tell fuck you, is the headline about? I'll tell you a funny story. So um, in 2011, I remember sitting in my computer scrolling through. Um, pft one day and like there was a couple of a uh, couple of staff football staff guys that walked past and they go what the hell are you doing like why are you looking at that crap I'm like because it's funny because being able to sit here and read some of this stuff and some of the articles that they were writing about what we were doing or what was going on right. like we literally sat there for a good 30 minutes and laughed at some of the stories that they had because they have no clue what's going on inside which yeah. is why i try to tell everybody via twitter every single day have some critical thinking skills about what you read every day. Does it actually make sense whenever you think it all the way through? Um, like, for example, the Eagles saying they're getting really aggressive offers with Carson Wentz. Okay, well, that's great. But why tell people that? Why not just keep that to yourself and then go go continue to get your offers? Well, because the offers probably aren't as good as they want. They're probably trying to drum up some additional offers and trying to get people to give them some good, like, just think about the stuff that you read for half a second. Don't just dive into it and and be completely blinded by it. But sorry, to, not to go off, but yeah, no, PFT it, it, was the epitome. And yeah. Florio hates me because I called him out about it, by the way. Well, it's, 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 he managed to get too. some form of success sufficient to not care about that sort of ethical construct, which is it seems to be the, the break even point for people. And, and it happens at a micro level too. And I'll call it a micro level for two reasons. One, because it is. And, and secondarily, because it'll piss off people who think it applies to them. And hint here, if you think it applies to you, it does. The people that drop bullshit headlines and tweets just to drive clicks just suck. If, if you claim to love a team or love a sport or love a political party or love a, produce content that's valuable, add to the fucking conversation. Yeah. 
Don't give me bullshit. Don't give me conjecture. Don't give me the real world. Don't tell me that so-and-so hates so-and-so's fucking philodendrons and that's why they don't play well together. And you people that consume this, by the way, stop consuming it, assholes, because if you stop consuming it, they'll stop shoving it in your gullet. That's Sorry, that's, that, that ship has sailed, Derek, man. We live in a TMZ, yeah. 140-character yeah. Twitter world like, or whatever Ari- it is right Arians, now. Arians and Brady hate each other. They hate Arians each other, absolutely. Is criticizing, yeah. is criticizing him in the press, so that means that there's a rift between them. No, that's just right. who Arians is. And Brady knew exactly what the hell he was getting but into. But did you see did. the way he looked at him on the sideline at minute 12 in the third quarter? Did you not see that? How could you not understand <laughs> yeah. what he meant by that? Jesus Christ, yeah. go play with your dollhouse, let's you just, jackass. And, and, and let's point it out that that stupid storyline certainly did not come from anybody in the local media because we nope, you know, we knew we knew better. That was that was all right. national bullshit. Well, anyway, and, and we hey guys, even I gotta said, I gotta check out. I gotta oh, check okay. out. Uh, dinner dinner is way past ready, and I can smell it, and I'm starving, <laughs> and I'm a fat guy, and I need to eat. Uh, one thing Take I did want to say though, you gotta. Um, <laughs> We gotta, uh, there it is. Oh. That's ratings. There you go. We got oh, better than we gotta, any TMZ uh, shit you're getting. <laughs> you're gonna have to mark this on, mature now. Will, will everybody quit picking on my man Ira Kaufman? Jeez Louise, he took some beatings for a couple. There you go. That's what I'm talking wow. about. Yeah. Bring the heat. That's, that's my new but, uh, sponsor because Ledyard took Buck's briefing. So now I took Celsius. The official sponsor of my Peloton rides. Drink Celsius. Get, get a, Chris, Chris, you get a take a drive drink. out. Take a drive out to my house. I've got three cases in the living room right now. That yeah, I say I spent so much money on it. Yeah, I, need right? some, I need some. I need some free stuff. Got it. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll hook you up for sure. But anyway, everybody quit picking on my man Ira Kaufman. He, and hats off to Ira. He got John Lynch in. Uh, we were beating not we, but people were beating him up because he couldn't get Rondé or John in. John made it in, but he you know he had a couple tweets after the game. You know, Ira's an observant guy. He points things out. That's kind of what Twitter is to kind of throw some things out there. And he's like, you know, if Tom Brady had played behind that Chiefs offensive line. He probably would have been sacked five or six times. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that, really. You know what I mean? But, man, some of these fan sites have just been kicking the shit out of my man, Ira. So, anyway, I talked well, about Well, I'm not going to sub-talk any more than I subtweet. Bit. I understand and appreciate your point, but some of those folks have old access to grind, and what you're seeing is them come out. We got one day of stay of execution for that shit on Twitter with the jubilation of the Super Bowl. And people are going (laughs) to go back to doing what they do. And listen, for years, I tried to get people not to do that. But the years before that, I did the same shit. I called out people that were revered in this town because I was just as much of a young, impetuous asshole. Um, as some some other folks can be at times, but realize it all started with the, uh, it started, it all started with the, uh, idiotic, evil media bullshit thing that happened a few years ago yeah, but anyway well, what I, i'll yeah, leave well, i'll leave it at that yeah all right we well you've got to go eat and out. i don't want megan mad at me i want to thank you for joining the show mark <laughs> um we're gonna continue Appreciate for a few it, minutes man. as long as these folks can stay and and we've got people still watching uh inexplicably which is awesome so we'll keep talking a little bit i want to talk about discipline penalties and turnovers but mark go enjoy your grub and try and keep your shirt on until you shouldn't have your shirt on anymore i just want to say one other thing uh, thanks to Pewter Report and the NFL for giving me an auxiliary press box pass. I actually had a choice to sit in the press box or in the stands. And I said, you know what? This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I got to sit in the stands for that Super Bowl game. And I got to be a damn fan. And I didn't know what to do because I haven't sat in the stands since 2007 when the Bucks lost to the Giants and Douglas was about seven or eight years old. But uh, 
But by the, by the time the uh, final gun sounded, I figured out exactly how to be a fan. So I was completely unprofessional as a media member. But you know what? Screw it. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and I'm not ashamed about it at all. So anyway, I'm glad you got a chance to do that, it, Derek. What a what yeah. a humble Mark. brag. Good for you, brother. Yeah. Hey, Mark. Yeah. How many songs from the weekend did you recognize? Uh, I can't say that I recognized any of them. It was fascinating. It's like it was like when I took my son to the Travis Scott concert. I didn't know where I was or what was going on. It was it was amazing production. You know what I mean? He's riding a roller coaster through Emily Emily Arena. Same thing with this weekend thing. I mean, it was it was a tremendous show to see in person. I don't know how it translated on television, but no, I had no idea who it was. I I'm a firm believer that if you're going to have a Super Bowl in Florida in any of the three NFL cities. If you don't have Skinner and the Outlaws and Molly Hatchet, then it's not a legitimate halftime show. But anyway, that's also because I'm 50 years old. You guys take At care. Least. Love you guys. Thanks, Mark. And, uh, Later, brother. See you, Mark. Everybody. Thanks, man. So, so uh, as we pivot back to actual content about uh, the Super Bowl, we actually are joined by a <laughs> oh. surprise guest. My man Pinnacle is in the house. Unmute, brother. I know he's got the greatest voice. You have to unmute. He it. does. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons to have him. Oh, uh -oh. you got the same microphone I do. You got unmuted on your Zoom, Robert. He he's unmuted hey, on Zoom. Zoom. I think it's somewhere else. Uh, Roadcaster, brother. Check, check. Can you? Yeah, there we got. We need higher there. levels. He rocks the same equipment I do, I believe. Yeah, we do. You, can you hear me? Turn your volume up. Keep going. Dial that number one. All about throw. Turn that up to about two notches from the top. Dog, that's all the way up. That's there so you go. Much You're better. good. We got you, Robert. My man, <laughs> I, I call him Pinnacle. I call him Pinnacle. But uh, but Robert Green, uh, listen, I, I, I asked you on here for a couple of reasons. But first and foremost, I want to give you public, more public credit, right? Because you probably already get public credit. I'm not in the social media scene. If there's been one man pounding the drum that this team will win, and it will win because of the defense, and y'all can carry this other offense bullshit down the road because eventually they'll stop screwing up enough that the defense will carry them. It was an unpopular view, but he always backed it with data. I don't always agree with him on some of the things, and that's okay because that's the thing that intelligent fans can disagree on the specifics. But he was on this way before, way before anyone. So I want to make sure you got the credit, Robert, and congratulations as a huge Bucks fan uh, on the Super Bowl, my friend. Oh, man, much appreciated. You know, I don't really care about whether or not people agree with it or not. I try to tell what I think is the truth and try not to throw it out, you know, too much with a bunch of, you know, bullshit behind it. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, it was, it, I saw it for years. I think a lot of people saw it for years, but, you know, the popular deal, what's get, what gets pushed out is, you know, the offense, the offense, the offense. That's kind of how the league has been gone, has been gone for like a while. League rule changes you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. But this defense has kind of been in – has been in motion to be at least a playoff team for a while. Uh, right. It came in – I mean, it culminated in what we saw, you know, last week, last Sunday. It, it, was, it was a defensive masterpiece, which is exactly what we saw the last time this team was a, was a force in the NFL. So it was It, it truly, it awesome it truly was. It truly was. Hashtag and, pay and attention. I saw you in, what was that? <clears throat> Pay attention. Hashtag, hashtag, pay, hashtag attention. pay attention. So, uh, one Trademark of the that. The, one of the things in the chat room that made me drag you in here, and for those of you who don't know, so literally I was, I've got an eye on the chat room over here. Thanks to everyone who's still in there chatting. We're on a little bit of a delay, so sometimes it's hard to be real time with the stuff you're, you're asking us. 
Um, but I saw Robert remind people about the discipline on this team. And discipline is one of those overused football terms. But the way he codifies it generally, and, and I don't mean to speak for you, Robert, but uh, discipline is controlling the penalties that you can control in this regard because you can't control all of them. And if you look at the penalty numbers for the Buccaneers since the bye and the penalty numbers in the playoffs and the turnovers, two dimensions that are very important, they were very, very telling. And so I want to throw it out. To, and let me, is that a fair characterization, Robert, of your position? No, you know, actually, I have to stop you. That was another young cat who, who made that point. That wasn't oh, me. Shit, I apologize. Which one was it? I'm sorry. Yeah, I you got the wrong dude. And now I got to get, was, now I got to fucking log off. You got the wrong dude. It was a, Damn it. It was well, a get guy. Get the fuck out of here. At, Why'd you come over here? I don't know, was, man. It's Black History Month. I thought I was supposed to be here. Yeah. Oh, damn it, man. You can't have the whole month. You only get like three days. You're only three, damn, three well, thirds of a week or something. Isn't that the way the Constitution had it? Come on. I, are you, are you referring? Yeah. Are you referring to that idiot fan at BBP Chris who said there was 10, uh, it was 16 penalties for 133 yards and a plus five turnover uh, differential in the playoffs? Uh, I wasn't, though. I know that the idiot fan <laughs> talks about this a lot, but but the idiot fan <laughs> talks about a lot of shit, usually around the Gator. So I tuned him out. It was some other person in the chat room, but I thought it was Robert. But I know oh. you've talked about discipline and I apologize that I stole the topic from this other innocent. No, that whoever who may have made that point, though, it was a it's a great point because that's that was a huge that was a huge turnaround. We, I mean, you got a lot of people pointing to, you know, certain instances and in games and so forth, you know, the second half of the chiefs game where the offense looked like they came alive after, you know, being dead and buried for most of it. But it, it was definitely like the, uh, the instances in which the, the turnovers, I'm sorry, not the turnovers, but the, the penalties kind of ceased and things kind of went different route with the discipline. I mean, that, that is a great point. And I mean, it, and it's something that shouldn't go overlooked. Um, Turnovers and discipline. I mean, I mean, those are the two main keys that can kill a game for no matter how talented a roster may be. I mean, that's that's just it's just how it works, man. Derek beat the drum for so many years, Derek, and I know it because we had so many conversations about it as the unforced penalties, the pre-snap penalties, right? The yeah. bullshit that you, we'd start first Outside and fifteen, the or you, pre and post right? snap. Exactly. Yep. So the the way that this team has has cleaned that up this year, I think, is 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 huge. You know, the, the, I'm looking at just the pen, the penalty totals. The the worst output they had was it's, uh, New Orleans, uh, seven for 62. But you look at 24 yards uh, against Washington, eight yards against the Packers, 39 yards uh, against uh, against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So completely and the converse, more discipline. And the converse yeah. is true, right? Because <laughs> exactly. That's the beautiful thing about this. It's like a concert. If you play disciplined and don't do the dumb shit before or after the snap, the stuff that precipitates that stuff is still going to happen. So chances are the other person may, right? So the unsportsmanlike conducts, these sorts of dumb penalties that people are going to get. Listen, Sean Jensen is living rent-free in everyone's head right now. Or uh, Ryan. Ryan Jensen, sorry. Ryan, Ryan. Living, I keep calling him Sean because of his stupid Twitter handle. That's his brother. I know, I know, but I use that one to communicate to him. It's just, I have always fucked it up. Sorry. I love the guy. I love him since I met him at Pin Chasers. I saw him with his baby there and I was like, okay, not only is he a mauler, but he's this kind of dad, like sign me up. And then I watch him just get in people's soul and consume it. And it happened against every team in the playoffs. Right. But, but this, this cycles us a little bit to the question that I had written down in my show prep, which I actually did uh, believe it or not. The first and common refrain did the referees win this game for the Kansas city chiefs. Now I know this is a biased crowd, but I'd love you each to take a few minutes and explain, and I'm going to lead the witnesses a bit, what bullshit this is. Mm-hmm. Start with Joe. Joe, you've been quiet uh, for a while. 
So um, I think that it's important to call out that uh, that the penalties early uh, really kind of set the tone for the game. And we, and it's funny, Derek, we actually talked about this in the previous podcast of you play until the flag and you figure out where they're going to set the boundaries. And then you play just underneath of that, right? Like there's a little bit of grabbing and pushing that they're going to allow, then keep going until they start throwing those flags. Um, the chiefs got called for a couple of penalties that uh, probably were ticky tack at best on a few of them. Um, and those do kind of change the, the, the start of the game, but all of those were on their defense, right? So it allowed drives to either go farther, keep going, all of that. You lose the ability to blame it on the refs when you can't score a touchdown, period, end of story. And your, and your defense isn't the one or your, your offense isn't the one getting all of those penalties. It's your defense yet you still can't score a touchdown. Sorry, but three field goals is never going to beat Tom Brady. Just ain't going to happen. Chris? I want to – Yeah, I want yeah, to agree with that. I mean, once your offense shows that it can't score with these penalties happening, whether what, what, no matter what's happening, because at that point the referees are bailing you out. So you can't have so the referees won't try to do they won't try to do that like they intentionally will try to hold back it seems if they if it looks like they're bailing an offense out, which could have which could have turned you know it could have spun into a narrative itself as you know again NFL's high scoring or most potent offense being bailed out you know not being able to score so the referees have to make it interesting that could have been a bad look on the rules the referees had that been the case, but they couldn't move the ball like they will figure it out. They could, I mean, those penalties had no, had no real, um, they had no real bearing on the outcome of that game. Like, I really don't. Like, ticket tech uh, calls, they happen every single game. But yeah. if it was a more competitive game, then I can see where, you know, more fouls would have called. One issue that I have, though, the morning after, on yesterday morning, the league official, uh, one of the league officials took to Twitter and was like, the defensive pass interference that, Mike, that Mike Evans drew the first one where he tripped. We got tripped going down the field. Yeah. The referee, I'm sorry, uh, the the league referee guy came out and was like, yeah, that should not have been a penalty. I'm like, those kind of things like that, when they go back and try to retract a penalty or try to, you know, they try to uh, try to clarify a penalty and it only muddies the waters more, like that, that shit's killer. Like that makes no sense whatsoever. What allows him to come out and do that? Did they have to file a formal protest about the penalty? I mean, they were going to go back and replay the game. I understand that this happens sometimes where they come out and they say, hey, There's... I shouldn't have called that penalty. But I thought it was only if the final – like if it was the call that changed the game. Yeah, it was so really the uh, very first one. Yeah, there's always a um, there's always a referee um, review after the game. And only over the last couple of years has um, – the league office been coming out and saying, Hey, that was a good call. Hey, that wasn't a good call. I don't think there's anything um, formal that, that says you have to do that, but there's always a review. The refs go back and watch tape, just like the teams do to figure out what was good and what wasn't. So I think it's interesting that they came out and said that because they didn't have to, but um, it is something that they've done consistently over the last year. Yeah, to add, add to what you all are saying, I mean, the, the, the final score was 31 to nine, y'all. It, it, it wasn't a three point game. It's not one score. 
I, I, I would think that that even though I disagree that, you know, the Tyler Johnson call in Green Bay was obviously the right call. But Green Bay has a bigger argument to make that, you know, a call, you know, cost them an opportunity to tie the game or whatever it is versus Kansas City does. Uh, the refs didn't cause Kansas City to go three of 13 on third down. Right. Uh, to oh, oh for three in the red zone. It, this was a team. The penalties started in the first half because they became unhinged undisciplined like we just talked about and Tampa was the better team you play them again <laughs> if the if the Super Bowl was a month from now and Patrick Holmes well, if you didn't have the surgery was completely healthy maybe it's a different story but on that day Tampa was the better team it wasn't the refs that caused Tampa to win the football game that's such the, the that's such a lazy argument for things that you know calls at the end of the game go back to Judah J Barima who even tweeted out a an <laughs> apology to Bucks fans say am I am I forgiven now for the fourth down against against uh, the Raiders so this was a team that was completely overmatched at one point that we have not made if you would look at the stat line of any game that we have known watching the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers over the last couple of years with, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And I would tell you that they had three catches for 40 yards. You would say that we lost the game 31 to nine. So even with the quote unquote superstars for our team at the skill position at wide receiver, not putting up stats, right? This was an overall team game. The defense completely dominated. My God, hats off again to the offensive line. I brought that up on the last call. And, and you just talked about Ryan Jensen. Aaron Stinney's now getting a little bit of Ryan Jensen in him, and I fucking mm -hmm. love that. So yeah. guess what, Sign guys? Sign us up start... for depth on the line, for sure. Exactly. Stinney, Amen. Kappa, you know, start sliding around. You know, have these guys that are able to plug in and fill in, fill in the holes. Uh, I, I can't say enough about this offensive line. I think they played a really good game. Uh, defense completely just just showed just showed up, and I said at the end of the, it's not Mahomes versus Brady, it's 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 Mahomes versus Todd Bowles and what and what this defense can do, and you know the Kansas City coaching staff to see what they could put up. So that, that's all bullshit. That that's just you got your ass handed to you. You know, as a Kansas Listen. City fan, oh own up, admit it, and that that that's such a weak argument. Your team was undisciplined, and and they they, they didn't. You can't punt the ball, right? You're, I mean that that costs. How many yards in field yeah. position? Because your punter has the second punt that he's had. You're not used to getting your ass handed to you the way your ass was handed to you. Accept it, move on, get better in the offseason, come back next year, and prove that you're the better team. And can I also say that um, one of the things that we talked about last week was that we really probably didn't have a great answer for Travis Kelsey. Like, we can play too deep all, all night long, but that means that that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are going to run over the middle the entire night of the game. They didn't figure that out until halfway through the third quarter. And then they did it for about two drives and then they didn't do it anymore. And it's ultimately when, when you get out coached, out hustled and outplayed, the refs don't matter. Like it's so what we scored, we scored a couple, we scored a touchdown off of, off of a drive where we got, where it was extended three times by penalties. So what? You scored nine points. You're not going to beat Tom Brady and this offense with nine points. Get over it. Say hats off to the to the better team. You got dominated. It is what it is. Eat your humble pie. Go home and, and come back next year and try it again. So uh, I'm glad to get the answers. I don't disagree with that. I, I find the argument weak. I do think we can all call into question calls. I think Mike Evans sold a vet call, and that's what happens. Um, the, the other call people bitch about when I think it was Matthew, especially stopped him from getting to the post was a clear call 
that he then complained about. You literally stopped his progress at eight yards deep. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the point is you, and I think the chat room just said you extend uh, on a field goal attempt, you extend by lining up off sides, pre whisk pre snap penalty, uh, inexcusable, right? Um, They got the player number wrong, but the guy was clearly off sides. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. They were off sides on both sides of the goddamn line. They, 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 half the team was in the backfield. Um, But, um, but you look at it and, and, well, I think Mahomes showed what a freakish physical talent he is. I think Mahomes comes back better next year. Cause I think what Mahomes saw was that he's at his best um, when he's able to escape, to escape to his right. And he can leverage Tyreek's speed. He can survive if he has to stay in the pocket more. If Kelsey is left for him, if that, if those scraps are available, but they don't like being patient. They are not a patient team. Right. And so coming into this game, everyone's like, like, this is the part that had me all sideways. All of the pundits were like, is there any way the Bucks can keep up with the Chiefs? Is it even possible? Uh-huh. Disregarding the fact that they only won by a field goal after leaping to a 17 point lead in week 12 before the Bucks did anything to get better and made this run. Like all of that data was just cast aside. Right. And then what we saw was no. And in fact, when the Bucks did let him escape, they let him escape to his left by and large, which is a much harder throw which still he's a freak and he can still do it now. Can he do it in two years? That's a lot of wear and tear on an arm. Um, but I think he comes back better. The kid, he's, he's so passionate, right? I can't help but think he's going to come back better. I look forward to it. But to Chris's point, you play the 60 minutes you got and you play with the guys you got. Whoever's at tackles at tackle. There was a good question. When they moved the left tackle, I think, over to right tackle when the right tackle went out. And the question was, well, did you make both positions worse? Because you played a guy out of position yeah. as well. It's a fair question to, to Joe's they didn't point. Help Mahomes at all. Yeah, they did, they did, they did not help they Mahomes did nothing. at and they all play, the entire game. And they didn't game. leave nothing. anyone back. Nothing. He's getting killed, nope. and you leave no one back. It was, uh, to be they, honest, they had no answer. The did himself no favors because it looked like a very arrogant offensive game plan. It really was because I expected them to use the running backs and the tight ends to chip Absolutely. on Shaq Barrett and JPP, and they did not do it all night. And I was thoroughly surprised that they just let their guys line up and play them one-on-one with backups across your entire offensive line. It's just, even like, even when Andy Reid comes out and says, they got us, like, just flat out, they got us tonight. They had our number. They had a better game plan than we did. Like, that's that's all it came down to is Todd Bowles had a better game plan. And um, he, if, if we could give an MVP to a coach, he wins because that is the epitome of a, of a team defense being played right there because everybody – to steal the Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick quote, everybody did their, did their job and they did it well. You well, know what that offense? You know what they offense looked like to me. What what uh, what Joe was just saying? It reminded me of like what I thought the first ten weeks of watching our Bucks, where we just lined up and played like no matter what the opposition was doing. It seemed like we just our team just lined up and went with whatever the hell we were thinking about the week before and didn't customize it to the opponent. That's what it felt like that offense had done last, uh, I'm sorry, Sunday. It felt like they felt like they could outgun the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which anybody, if you paid attention, everything that Kansas City can do offensively, the Bucs had the weapons to do it, whether we utilized that stuff or not. We had a tight end that could catch and run, and Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, prior to them, it was O.J. Howard. We had a speed guy who – can run just as fast or damn near as fast as Tyreek Hill if we utilized him 
the same way that Kansas City did. Every single thing that they could offer, the Bucks could do, except for we had like the strong upper hand when it came to defensively. Because defensively, they couldn't do a damn thing that the Bucks could do defensively. They didn't have the weapons that we had on the on the defensive side of the ball, and that's prior to Vita Vea coming back. And Vita Vea only played like 34 snaps or something like that last night. Anyways, but he was not last night, but Sunday, and he was all 31 over snaps. Field. Yeah, 31 right. snaps. Well, and, and we, and we even, actually even, go ahead, Joe. I, I was just gonna say we were talking about how uh, the the quarterback that played the best against us in the playoffs was uh, Heineke and Washington, right? And I think there's two big reasons for that. One. Vita Vea not being in the lineup, which obviously frees up Shaq Barrett to do a lot of things. Um, and two, well, I would say there's actually three. Two is um, a much better offensive line than probably all of the other ones that we face. Saints, Saints are pretty good. Packers are good, but missing their left tackle. We know about the Chiefs offensive line. But that Washington offensive line is legit. They're really good. And without Vita Vea, and a really good offensive line, it means Heineke is going to have time. But then the third thing is, is Todd Bowles decided to play his, his soft zone. And he was like, you know what, Heineke, that's fine. You're going to make your mistakes. You're going to screw up. Heineke played a lot better than I think Bowles was willing to give him credit for before the game. But eventually he figured out that they could kind of clamp down on him and they would be fine. But he allowed Heineke to do that because he knew, he knew that Heineke wasn't going to outplay them all by himself. And so it's, it just goes to show that like the change in philosophies and I keep preaching this over and over and over, it's about matchups and Washington was not the best matchup for us. They were not nearly as good of a football team as we were, but they were not the best matchup. They could rush the passer and spots that we weren't really strong at that point in time. Uh, they had pretty solid man coverage guys that were going to be able to hold Mike Evans. Right. And um, they weren't going to take a whole lot of chances. That's not how their offense was built. And that's how our defense was built at the time to, to take advantage of, of turnover. So for us, it was, that wasn't a great matchup, which is why it felt like we played so bad, but in reality, we won a tough game that we knew was going to be a tough game. And I thought we matched up well against the Packers. I thought we matched up well against the saints. And then eventually the Chiefs, I knew our defense matched up well. I did not think that we would hold them to nine points. Don't get me wrong. I know the the just superhuman that Patrick Mahomes is, and I think he showed that time and time again. But, you know, unless the ball is actually going to stick into the helmet of his receivers, they weren't really helping him out, and his offensive line wasn't helping him out, and his, and his offensive coordinator didn't help him out. So, again – it's not about the refs. It's it's just you got beat all around for a lot of different ways. And huge respect to Patrick Mahomes. I you know I think he's probably the most physically talented, um, and probably overall the most talented quarterback. He's not the goat. Let's not go there because he hasn't done it yet. But he is the most talented quarterback that we're going to get to watch for the next ten or twelve years, and it's going to be a lot of fun to do so. Derek, not to put my podcast hat back on, but I'm interested in your thoughts on this because. We, we got to see him come back in the playoffs, but do you think that Vita Vea is the most important component on this defense? And I understand there's Devin White, and I understand there's Levante David, but is Vita Vea the most important component for this defense to be as good as they were? Um, I think that if you uh, paid attention to the way I podcast back in the day, I used to say something all the time. It always starts with the fat guys. And when you have someone who is supremely talented at 494 pounds or whatever he is, 
who can bench press a house and move laterally the way he can, he is going to become the most, and I don't care who you have around him. Right. And, and I know people are, it's funny. I was on the loose cannons guys and, and one of the guys made the comment that Devin white reminds him of a young Ray Lewis. And I think it's an, a surprisingly interesting combination. He's not there yet, but there's, there's tendencies there that I think are very interesting. I don't think uh, D white wants to, to take everyone's soul when he hits them every time yet, but that'll come. But the, the, the ability to be that player comes because you've got, and this is a three, four, it's different than Bucks fans. Remember most, none of us remember the three, four, the Bucks used to run back in the day. We know the Bucks is a four, three defense, whether it was Floyd Peters style or whether it was, you know, Monty Kiffin style. We remember those four threes that had Tampa two coverage behind it, right? Three, four is predicated on a nose that swallows up human beings and destroys them. Vita Vea is better at it than anyone I have ever witnessed. Right. So, yes, I think he is de facto the most important player, even though he may not be the best player on the defense. That's a different question. He is the most important player because he makes everyone look at the Madden card equivalent. He gives everyone a plus 10 modifier to their best skill. Right. Because he makes all the corners better at coverage. He makes all the safeties quicker to react. He makes all the linebackers quicker to the point of attack. Right. So a really long winded answer. I could have probably sufficed with a yes. I jumped up off the couch when 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 he lined up against Remmers. I just was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, and watch watch JPP and, beat the guard inside. Me? Oh, come on, Todd Bowles. Now Todd Bowles at some point was just fucking with people, though, right? When he did that in Washington too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah he, he lined off. Good. I was just gonna say the whole flipping the defensive tackle and defensive ends on different plays was it was so much fun to watch because. When they did that, between that and then the double cornerback blitzes that they brought at times, and then they rotated guys out behind, I just went, man, like Todd Bowles, he's got him. Like he's he has exactly what they're looking for. That and then, like you said, the fact that the that the defensive line, they weren't running to Mahomes, they were running in front of him. And there were any time that they that they were able to maintain contain because they didn't get too far up yep. upfield they were fantastic at doing it because they were running to the sideline, not to Mahomes, which kept him from running, which kept him from running. So that like, I'm just, I, the, the, the scheme that he put together, the plays that he called, and then the discipline on defense by the players, again, team win overall team win. Yeah. When, when you can get aggressive ends or your, your rare blitzes, which we did send some extra guys occasionally, but they all stay disciplined. And like we say in basketball, beat them to the spot, right? You get to the yep. spot first and you win. Uh, and that's what they did. And rare exception, did they, did they come inside or get gets washed? Sometimes they got washed inside. And sometimes the other guys, they get paid to play football too. They do their job. Um, but by and large, that discipline, there's that word again, right? Be where the fuck you're supposed to be. Sap used to say it all the time. I don't have to look at tape. If I know where a play, what gap a play made it through, I know who fucked up. Right. They just knew that everyone on the team knew it. And as this defense matures and grows together, I think you're going to see that accountability that we used to love so much. We made a comment on the podcast we did before the game. Like it's not to the point where Sap would run through, uh, you know, the opposing defenses and, and strike fear into their hearts or whatever. There's no one on our team that does that by themselves yet. Vita's getting close. If he wasn't so damn friendly, he would, he's striking fear. It's just a different fear. It's more of a respect laden. I want to bring over dinner to your parents' house. So you don't kill me fear. <laughs> it's very different. Um, but I think that when they start to play in that concert and they're doing it right now, the question is, can, can we go on tour again next year? Right. Are we going to keep the band together? 
are we going to try and go get Steve Jerry instead of Steve Perry and fuck everything up? Right. I don't know the answer to those questions, but that's why we all tune into the next year. But, you know, we're almost at two hours. I want to, I want to thank you guys for joining. I want to thank the folks that watch this podcast and listen to it on the back end. I did say I'd come back and do a celebratory podcast. We celebrated for all of about nine minutes and then we started tearing apart free agency. (laughs) Um, But as Bucks fans, and I know all of the people here and all the people listening to this most likely are, are Bucks fans savor every minute enjoy every minute um buy whatever shit makes you remember that you can give to your kids or you can put up in your house uh there's a lot uh, and believe me the prices are way higher this time the tom brady helmets are already uh thirty seven hundred dollars i think on nfl shop um that's if it's on enough with the uh super bowl mvp insignia that he signed there's two it's a thousand dollars more roughly um but you know what fucking buy what makes you happy Support the economy, support your, your habit in football and, and keep watching and learning and listen to folks like the guys I've had on tonight to learn more about the game. Shout out again to the folks over at Loose Cannons. Cause if you guys pull off this fucking billboard, like drinks on me for a weekend. Um, Cause I don't know how you're going to do it. I donated and I know Sam is a good egg. If he can't get it, he'll figure out a way to get people their money back or whatever, but he's in advertising. If you can find out a way to make that shit happen. Every one of my new Orleans friends is getting a picture with me in front of that billboard for Christmas for like 10 fucking years. Derek, before we go, I want to, I want to ask, I want to give you and uh, Fisher a chance to uh, brag. What were, what were your keys to the game or your picks on your MVPs that we predicted last time? I'll let Chris go uh, first because off- I can't remember mine. Yeah. Off- <laughs> offense was Tyler Johnson. So I was way off on that, but Ooh, I thought he one. would have a big catch. Yeah. I thought he came up. He, he made some good blocks. Um, I haven't watched the film yet, but um, defense, though, was I said Vea was going to be the key, but Shaq Barrett would be the one that would get the attention or, or put up put up the yep. numbers. Yeah, and I think I yep. picked Rojo, but I was waffling heavily between him and Fournette. I was push, pushing the running game uh, heavily on offense, um, and it turns out Fournette had a little bit better all-around game for sure. Um, but then on defense, I said JPP because of his veteran savvy. He did get a pass breakup, uh, and he was, mm-hmm. he was consistent in pressure, but to be honest, end versus end. Uh, Shaq had a better game all around. So that wasn't really bragging. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We both kind of whiffed. I don't know. Are you trying to make fun of us? Uh, no, 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 no. I remember. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cause I remember, I remember Chris took my answer last time. Cause he said, it's really going to be Vea, but it's also going to be Shaq Barrett is going right. to be the guy. Um, that's and to be fair. Attention, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I said the exact same thing. Like those, those two are my guys. Um, I, I whiffed. I actually said uh, Chris Godwin, who, who would have a lot of room to run over the middle because they weren't going to be able to just let Evans run. So right thinking wrong person, it ended up being Gronk that, that was, re- that received the, uh, the couple of passes. And then the one thing that I did get right is I said, uh, I think Antoine Winfield would be the recipient of either yeah, a tip pressure pass. or a tip pass or an overthrow yeah. or something like that, where he was going to end up getting the, the, the pick. Point of the only order. thing I got right was 31 points. That was it. Yeah, and I had 34. Yeah, I uh, and I have predicted a much more dramatic end of the game. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, you... you I wanted that big. pick six, man. And God, it was almost it. there. And thank God you saw it. Oh, that Levante was had it. Almost there. I was robbed. Levante that was had his it. hand yep. underneath the ball. That was a live interception, yep. and he would have kept running to moms if he wanted to. Yep. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, you know, listen, I appreciate you guys so much. I love watching, watching what you do on Twitter. And I know guys like Chris, you're retired, but I love watching everything you do on Robert. I love what you're doing over there, keeping content out there. Keep making people pay attention. Big shout out to Mark Cook from Pewter Report. All of the content creators. Again, another shout out to Brent riding off into the sunset. 
and a, and a big good luck to Ren. I know he's got the talent to, to get things going over there. Um, but this is it. So thanks. You guys were on the last uh, What the Buck podcast uh, to be done. Oh, so I'll honor. put this up in the it's stream. An honor. And uh, it was good to have you. So go uh, go enjoy your evening and let's uh, let's enjoy an off season and a year of everyone having to cut our fucking pancakes and waffles because they can't say shit to us until someone else gets this trophy. Right. I don't care if we go 0 16 every week. It's like, bitch, come look at our trophy case. Yeah. So that's just the way it goes. Yeah, you know, they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to make some room in one buck. They have that uh, old Gruden Lynch, yeah. Derek Brooks tribute. What are they gonna do now? They're gonna make a. They're gonna have to carve out like a, a second one on the side somewhere. They're probably. gonna create another level over the atrium. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's I, what, I, that. I mean, they've got money to do it. And when you've got listen, you start getting trophies, you'll find room to put the sons of bitches, right? And at <laughs> yeah. some point, you get enough trophies where you build a hall of fame. Listen, if you've ever been to Green Bay's Hall of Fame. I, and I, mm-hmm. I, I pontificated about this before. I love Canton. I've been to Canton. I've been, I was enshrined in the Pro Football Ultimate Fans Association in Canton. Green Bay, Lambeau, spot for spot, buries Canton, Ohio. It is hallowed football ground. If you have not gone there, spend a weekend and drink it in. And I just dream one day of the Bucks having a football legacy that's sig- significant enough to have that. Because ours is good. We've got the awesome pewter statues. You can go look at the stuff. You see all the alternate uniforms. We need more. Right. We need more so we can bring our kids there and we can see the history and see the legacy. Um, and I think that we can get that. I went to dinner. Sorry, I can't shut up. I uh, took my son, Drew. My youngest son loves uh, Flemings in Tampa. Jorge Diaz, former Buccaneer, is the general manager there. Great guy. If you know Jorge, you'll know he's just a class A individual. They've been doing great things during the pandemic, keeping it safe and clean. And so we felt comfortable going there. And my eight year old, that's his favorite place to go because he puts on a suit and he feels fancy. And we went there and it was awesome to have Jorge come over and chat and talk about how excited it would be to have another Super Bowl in Tampa and have our Buccaneers. And when he says our Buccaneers, he means because he bled for that team. Right. Mm-hmm. And he remembers getting close. And as a, as a fan, man, I, I turned into a 13 year old kid again. I got this guy who's still a monster of a human, you know, there's a hand on my shoulder telling me these stories. And I'm just like, Oh, talk more Jorge. And uh, I think we need a lot more of that in, in Tampa. And I think we're going to get it. We got guys like Mike Evans, who I don't think are going anywhere. And uh, we got an incentive to do that. I said the Shiano men thing before, and I hate invoking the name of Voldemort, but there's a concept that underlies that, that I think is important. And I think you can build yep. legacy by making players care about the place they play and the people they play for. And well, uh, Derek, just to, yeah, through you, uh, just speaking of legacy, I know I'll speak for all Bucks fans when I say thank you so much for everything that you have contributed from a content standpoint for the many, 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 many years that you did it and for bringing it back and having myself on and other guests and Joe and Mark and Trevor and Robert and all the folks that are in the, in the chat room and you're getting some, some, some great comments in there. But I, I, it, as Bucks fans, if you don't realize that you were lucky to have someone like Derek put out the content through all the shit years. And we talked about it early on on the podcast about the stuff that he used to have to talk about. And I'm so glad that it happened this year and that you came back and did the shows, but I, I miss the fuck out of your content. I'll say, you know, that I, you, you were my go-to podcast when I, you know, I wanted to bash my head through the wall, right. You, you kind of kept it calm and, and kept it real. And I appreciated that. And I think I kind of then started refocusing on what I wanted to do. And you've been an inspiration, I think, to so many of the 895 podcasters that are out there right now for the Bucks. So thank you so much. And I know I know how much it is appreciated amongst all the Buccaneer fans and everyone who who has been your 
your supporter and listen to you for the many years. So I just want to say thank you for that. It's real. It's well, this is very special, that. and I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Very kind words. Uh, it's been an honor to do it. So yeah, I'm not going to pick it back on that too much because he said it all. That's that's again from everybody who listened to you. Uh, Chris nailed it. Uh, the people in the uh, in the chat. Uh, basically saying the same sentiment, the pod father, as they call you, you deserve <laughs> it all, man. Serious business. Like, uh, yeah. yeah uh, voices, listen, the, the biggest compliment, the biggest compliment I think I received, I may have said on the last podcast, but it hit me pretty hard was when Gene, um, Buck, what you heard called me after the, the win in green Bay and we're going to the Super Bowl. He asked me to hop on. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm out. Uh, you know, my friend Chris's house, I'll call in. And we spent 20 minutes talking about not that. And he said that, the first person after his late uncle who turned him on to football that he thought about was me. And I'm now a dad, right? When I started this podcast, right? There's a long ass time ago. Now I'm a dad. And I don't mean to imply that there's a father figure there for Gene. Gene's a grown ass man. Right. But I'm also a coach. I've always been a coach. I love coaching because of the connection it put build between a coach and a player. And so to have had an influence on anyone like that is an honor and a privilege. And to know that I did that to anyone who I only met a handful of times, right, is even more of that. So this has been great and, and realize the platform that you all have and have had and continue to have that you can make that impact. I've got friends in Sweden that I've only met at three tailgates and they still text back and forth, right? The world's a small place. Realize that and do good with it. Don't put out that bullshit. So thanks to everyone who's doing the right stuff and let's emphasize that. And again, although my lights just told me it's getting too late for work. Alexa, turn off the lights on. <laughs> Uh, that, that could not have been any better. Uh, lights out, exit stage right. Go Bucks. Enjoy your celebration. And thanks to all you guys. And thanks to everyone who listened over the last, I don't know, 15 fucking years. Love you guys. All right. Live stream has stopped. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate it. I managed to avoid getting emotional at the end, I think. So that's good. Beautiful. I wanted to see you cry. Ah, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> all right. Love you guys. You guys be careful, all right? We, we almost had you. See you guys. Thanks, Take it easy. Right. Be safe, y'all. See ya. See ya.